board the battleship pretension i am tyler smith i am david back and thank you for listening david yeah how you doing i'm making notes oh i yes i see now that now that, how how is that possible that you can make notes with such a uh, low class pen yeah this is not my normal podcast pen we were talking about this i cannot find i left my cigarettes at home and i apparently left my podcast pen. i, I take notes during the podcast and I have a pen that I use for that. Mm-hmm. I have another pen that I use that I keep with me at all times for press screenings to take yeah. notes during the screenings. That pen is very special to me because I stole it from a restaurant on Catalina. Okay, yeah. Because they gave it to me to sign my bill, and I noticed that they had stolen it. It's from the Catalina Island Medical Center, not the Italian restaurant that I ate at. Fair so enough. I felt completely justified stealing a pen Absolutely. that had already been stolen. Um, that's this is so. This is the one I use for press screenings. Okay. My Bic glide pen or whatever that I use uh, for podcasts is nowhere to be found. Now, which one is more dependable? Well, this one has lasted longer. Okay. So that's... I I, I write more during movies than during the podcast. Fair enough. What I'm doing is I'm taking notes because we have things that we need to talk about. That's true, yes. I've already forgotten what one of them is. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right. I I remember, thankfully. You remember the other one? Um, Should we... We have a guest. We do, yes. But I feel like... We have alienated we always, her. We always have this conundrum. Should we make the guest be quiet for longer while we get the ads out of the way? Or do we or say... Or should we introduce the guest and, and then say, <laughs> now be quiet yeah. for a few minutes? Yes. They're both a little bit Yeah, none, uh, of them, none of them are good for the guest. So I will let... So don't say your name. Guest, what, what would you prefer? Introduction and then just be quiet? Or just uh, you're a complete mystery? Let's so just, we're done with the ads. Let's just stay a mystery. All right. Okay. We'll never say your name. How about that? Um, <laughs> that sounds great. It's the opposite of that song. Never say my name. <laughs> All right. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Okay. I only have one of them written down. Because okay. I forgot. Well, let's do the ad first. Um, well, no, I want to first say that we were on the 200th episode. That's true. Yes, of the yes. Out Now podcast with our good friend Aaron and yeah. our uh, very casual formal only acquaint- I barely tolerate Abe. Abe. Yeah. yeah. We don't vouch for Abe. Nope. But Aaron's a good friend of ours. Absolutely. He's been on the um, show. Good guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were there. We were talking about uh, the the big the big releases last weekend. This is the way Battleship Retention attacks things. Mm-hmm. Between the two of us, we'd seen them. Yes. Because I had not and have not seen Ant-Man. Yeah. And you had not and have not seen Trainwreck. Yeah. But together, we reviewed them. Yeah. I, I've said, I've made the joke before. I'll make it again. Between the two of us, we're a real critic. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very exciting. <laughs> what else do we had to talk about? Well, all right. We're getting to the end of July, and you know what that means. August is coming up, which then means September. Okay. And, as, we've, and as we've done for... <laughs> look, David, I need to really spell things out to these listeners. Um, so for the last couple of years, uh, August has been the month when we, su- when we uh, accept user submissions for a, a user-generated list. Our annual of, yes. user-generated yeah. list. In the yeah. past, we've done... Uh, top 50 comedies yeah top 50 horror movies yeah top 100 characters mm-hmm. top 100 directors mm-hmm. did we do top 100 movies we did we did top 100 that's movies. right um but for the last few years by we've getting been doing this podcast for a long time yes we have yes yes and uh <laughs> <laughs> so um but for the last few years we've been we've stuck with top 50 because we've gotten a bit more specific when it comes to right. uh genre um although comedy is not a genre as we are quick to say um this year, we're doing something a little bit different that I, I'll be honest, I'm a little worried about. Oh, I'm very excited about it. I'm, don't, I'm excited, 
but it's so specific that I find myself wondering if the top like 17 are solid and then the the bottom 33 are just kind of stragglers. I don't know. Um, and so what we'll be talking about, uh, what, you know, the list will be generating or rather Drum roll. that you, the listener will be generating. Please don't do that. Um, is, uh, <laughs> uh, see, that's the show in a nutshell right there. Um, is, uh, we'll be putting together a list of the top 50 musical scores. Yes. Uh, or, sorry, original musical yes, scores. Yes, this is not soundtrack albums. You right. can't nominate the Train Spotting soundtrack, yes, though I totally fiction. would if that. Uh, Nor can you counted. do Rocky Horror Picture Show or uh, sure. West Side Story. Sure. In talking with a uh, resident musicologist who's helping us with this, um, West usually, Anthony. West Anthony, um, we did work it out that like you can submit South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Like, just because those songs have lyrics does not mean that is not an original score. Okay. So, you, what you will do, starting in August... So, musicals that originated as musicals. If you want to submit Dancer in the Dark, mm-hmm. you can do that. Yeah. Okay. And he reminded me, uh, Hard Day's Night, A lot of the so- most of the songs oh. were written for that movie, so you can submit People Hard Day's Night. People forget that, like me. Yes. Yeah, yes, and uh, <laughs> I, I didn't forget it, because I never knew. You never knew. <laughs> um, yeah, so here's how it's going to be, and it's it, we're going to do this the same way we've done the last few years, which is uh, starting in August, and I'll be honest, I'm actually, I love compiling these lists so much. Glad that you someone does. You can email them to me earlier if you want, um, but okay. let's stick with August. Uh, starting in August, you will email me, and only me, we learned that the hard way years ago, because yeah. you and I had lists that didn't match up. Yeah. Um, email me, tyler at battleshippretension.com with the 10 original movie scores that you think absolutely belong on this list. You can rank them. I won't take that into account. Ranking doesn't matter. You can repeat composers. You can repeat composers. You can do 10 that are all Clint Manziel. Sure. Is that a, that's a guy, right? I think so. Yes. That sounds familiar. Cliff Martinez. There you go. Only There's CM. That, that's the yeah. next thing. Only. Yeah, that uh, I should have specified. <laughs> that's why I'm worried about this top 50 list. <laughs> it's only CM. Um, but yeah, and so, uh, so we will be taking submissions for the entire month of August, and then we'll be putting them together. We'll be doing, as, as we always do, we'll be revealing them uh, over the course of a week, and then it will culminate in an episode in which we talk about these original scores and what makes them so interesting. And so It's going to be ever so much fun. I, I'm excited for it um, just because... You know, one thing that always fascinates me about movie music is that music is an entire other artistic medium that still plays a key role in film. Right. right. It's so interesting. Like, well, I understand that photography also does. But the fact that the camera is moving is something that's a ri- that's specific to film. Mm-hmm. And so it changed it so much that it's a new medium. But music and what music is meant to do, it's so it's interesting that it was always it was always a part of film. No, it's not like film was completely silent for a while. And then someone said, Hey, let's heighten the emotion by bringing in some music. It's always been a part of film to the extent that if a movie doesn't have music, like the birds or something like that, it is very notable. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so music plays just as big a part as in a film as, you know, editing choices, uh, production design or anything like that. And in some cases, which I won't specify cause I don't want to bias anybody. Right. The movie's, work emotionally precisely because of the musical score. So, uh, I think I, I, I introduced some bias by mentioning Clint Menzel. 
Do you think yes. we're going to get a lot more Clint Manziel Absolutely. Uh, submissions now? For example, <laughs> I can't remember any. So, uh, so that will be for the month of August. I, oh, I feel wait. like. Clint Menzel actually probably will end up on the list because he did Requiem for a Dream. Okay, that's which is what I, yeah, an incredibly a, notable score. Yeah, that is true. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, we went into a lot of detail. We'll be repeating it over the next few weeks, uh, probably not in as much detail, but we're very excited about it. We hope you guys are too. Email me and only me, TylerBattleshipRetention.com, starting in August. Okay. So, okay. Let's pay some bills. Absolutely. All right. David. Yeah. And guest. This episode is sponsored. <laughs> just, just sit right there and you listen to this. This water's delicious. Um, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. There are a number of movies available at Mubi, at Mubi right now, including The Stuntman. Now, I mention that because uh, in the recent movie journal, uh, we talk about the, uh, the recent episode of my other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which we talk about The Master, and the companion film for that was The Stuntman. Which is a movie. Have you ever seen it? I never have, but your, yeah, your More Than One Lesson episode made me want to watch it. Oh, good. Well, you, David, I got good news for you. Moobs. There is a special offer for listeners and hosts of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. I jumped ahead. What I do want to say is The Stuntman is a movie that I think is hilarious and very dark and very mind-bendy. Have you um, seen this? No. Okay. It's... it's uh, it was nominated for a number of Oscars, including Best Director, but also Best Actor for Peter O'Toole. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote here, and this is true, and if, if since you listened to more than one lesson episode, you know this. Uh, it stars Peter O'Toole and noted insane man Steve Railsback, who is just such an unpleasant on-screen presence. Uh, it, it's, it needs to be seen to be believed. Like, undoubtedly, somebody... So, I don't remember what the order was, but... Uh, Somebody saw this man and said, this is our Charles Manson when we make Helter Skelter the movie, which is actually true. And so, um, but it's just the, these two characters just butting heads. One of them is this very egotistical Hollywood director who's very full of himself, played by Peter O'Toole. And the other is a criminal who stumbles his way into a set and then becomes the stuntman uh, that the director regularly abuses and so it's a really wonderful film that is often very very darkly bitingly funny and, and available at movie.com and it is available at movie.com but don't stop there to borrow what we do with uh, the other one yeah um movie.com slash battleship and you can get a free month of movie and we highly recommend it definitely all right we don't have another ad right we do not because our friends who had the emoji card mm-hmm. kickstarter Got funded today. Yes, yes. Good for them. I'm very excited. We're for gonna that. All, we're gonna get to play the emoji card game. I know because I I, I uh, pledged. Uh, you know, hoping I wouldn't have to actually pay it. But it's <laughs> you know, oh, oh boy, um, I I pledged like three thousand dollars. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm actually very excited to get the game. And uh, David, you and I can play it on air. We're not going to do that. Okay, but that would be fantastic. Yes. All right, that's all the business out of the way. Now we can finally. 
take the duct tape off of the mouth of our guest <laughs> and allow her to join in the podcast. Indeed, she might have have thoughts about movie scores, which I would love to hear. Um, if you if you have them, she has a podcast of her own. Mm-hmm. It's called Lady to Lady. Mm-hmm. She also has a podcast that I was on that doesn't exist yet. Not yet. <laughs> called Morning Becomes Eclectic. Yeah, M O U R N I N G. Morning Becomes Eclectic. Get it? Yeah, get it. Is the podcast where I talked about my dead dad. Hey, uh, I've got one of those too. Yeah, <laughs> part of the club. Yeah. Uh, she's a comedian, and she's here to talk about her favorite movies and just uh, how uh, how awesome she is. Please welcome to the show, Brandy Posey. Hey, you don't need to talk about how awesome you are. I'll don't be grilling you on how awesome. Thank you. Are. you. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> ten being who's the most awesome person in the world. Me! Whoa! Right? Yeah. I'm the 10 on the end of that scale. Yeah. No. <laughs> what uh, if? What if, though? <laughs> M- Malala Yousafzai, awesome, okay. most awesome person in the world, mm-hmm. then Brandy. I don't know who that person is. That's the Pakistani girl who got shot in the head. The oh, Taliban yes. shot oh, her. Yes, right. Yeah, and Fair she's enough. won all of the medals now. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I did also see a video recently of a surfer fighting off a shark. Okay. Mix something or other. Okay. Uh, that one that's he's pretty awesome. He, I'm like sandwiched between those two. Oh yeah, like absolutely. that. I'm yeah. kind of because I yeah. actually like feel like I will fight a shark in this lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a thing that I legitimately think about myself. Is that true? Like, you yeah, I like spend I'm, a lot of time in the water. I do, and I'm also a person that stupid things happen to. Uh-huh. So I feel like I'm gonna have to punch a shark in the nose at some point in my lifetime, and oh it's like God. has made me not want to go in the Pacific because of that right. on several occasions. <laughs> Can I tell you something that can't, I'm convinced? Can't argue just, with that. Yeah. Something yeah. that I'm convinced will happen to me. And I mm-hmm. don't know why. From the moment, probably five to ten years ago, that I learned what Bell's palsy is, yeah. oh. I became convinced that someday I'm going to have Bell's palsy. Oh, woof. Do you know Man. what? This is the thing where like half of your face is parallel. Yeah, it yeah, happens yeah. in front of the show Jimmy Pardo for I, like a month. Where, that's where yeah. I first heard it is on his podcast. He was talk, Jimmy Pardo was talking about having Bell's palsy, and I now have this thing that it's gone from being a fear that I'll have Bell's palsy to now just like res- resignation. Like someday I'm going to wake up and not be able to move half my face. I'm like convinced it's going to oh, happen. Oh, man. You got to get all your facial expressions in now, man, before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's the disgust that, I, that uh, is a, a fan favorite. <laughs> Um, yeah, you should take all your pictures now that way you have a book so you can like <laughs> so you can like hold up half of your face. Right. It could be like this just the saddest face off remake. It's just you which is a picture of just like half of us half of an expression <laughs> that you can put up to your face to match the other half. Uh, or you could be like two face, you know? Oh, you could yeah. like start flipping coins and stuff like, oh well the bell's pars- palsy part of me thinks that we should shoot this guy. I don't know. Let's what do you say, coin? I would love to see that. <laughs> If more people that have a sort of a horrible ailment would start flipping coins in general, I mean, the world would be a better place. Get like, on it. It's like, well, look, Get I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt you, but my diabetes, who's to say, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. you're flipping it with a nub instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, yeah, that's um, leprosy man. Yeah. Uh, Batman's greatest villain. Yeah. You know what? If a guy with leprosy came at me, yeah. I don't care how many batterings I have. It's like, I think I'm just going to hop in the Batmobile and let this one work itself out. Get him yeah. off of me. <laughs> Get him off of me. Is more what it would be like. <laughs> so thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. 
let's get to know you a little bit. Okay. Uh, I, I'm an I, open book. What do you want? Well, I know that 1984. You're a comedian, a comedian and podcaster. 31 years old. Yes. Comedian, podcaster. 1984, you say? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're the youngest one at the table. I'm mm. a Pisces. Um, like, yeah. what's your birthday? March 13th. Uh, uh, we're close. Not, not Billy Corgan's uh, birthday. No. No, unfortunately. Um, but uh, Albert Einstein's and oh. um, uh, who is Mr. Scientology? Um, L. Ron Hubbard. I also, wow. yeah, we had the same birthday. Not the same year, though. I like the idea that he's just called Mr. Scientology <laughs> yeah. for a while. Yeah. 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 That's his movie. Another Batman villain. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, he's so persuasive. <laughs> we, t- we just talked with uh, our friend, I think it was Mariah Gates, uh, Mariah E. Gates, about who shares our famous birth, like famous people who share our birthdays. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. I've got, speaking of Batman, mm-hmm. Adam West, I have the same, yeah, same 19th, I have the same birthday as Adam West. That's nice. And Jeremy Irons. Nice. And nice. Uh, my personal favorite person I share a birthday with is Twiggy. Not Twiggy Ramirez from Marilyn Manson. Twiggy the model. The real Twiggy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a cool one. I like that you assumed that we would have thought it was Twiggy Ramirez first. That's an odd, <laughs> yeah, that's an odd <laughs> jump. Well, look. I was like, oh, you mean the person that whose last name and then also from Marilyn Manson as opposed to Twiggy, I, the singular name that is I known as like, an entity by herself? I think it's like because of, I'm just of an age where it's sort of like I knew who the breeders were before I knew who the pixies were. Okay. Because they were just like Cannonball was on the radio yeah. before I was cool. I knew who Twiggy Ramirez was before I got what the reference was. So uh, I, that's okay. where my mind tends to go first. Uh, see, now I know Twiggy because, of course, she was in the Blues Brothers. Okay. And yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. Who is this person? <laughs> was she a model or something like that? Yes, Twiggy is a model. Yeah, yeah she Twiggy was. Twiggy Ramirez was a, is mm-hmm. in the Mer- 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 Manson. Mer- Manson. And also quite attractive. Right? Both of them. Yes, indeed. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right. So. 1984. Okay. So got it. Yes. Where I'm assuming somewhere in the United States of America. Do I feel like an East Coast? Do I feel like a Midwest? Do I feel like a West Coast person to you? From the short time we've known each other. What okay. Do, can you guess? I want to say that you are a Midwesterner. No, but a lot of people think that I am. I'm from Maryland originally. Mm. And Maryland is... That's because you said it off mic. I know. Damon, I it just shows how much you listen to me. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I remembered Maryland, but yes. I thought, well, surely she remembered saying Maryland. Mm-hmm. And so that must not be where she's from originally. No, So I was going to guess Maryland, but then I thought like, no, 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 she's trying to trick me. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm a straight shooter, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, Maryland born and raised. Maryland also kind of feels like the Midwest because we're, we're Southern enough. So we're really nice, but we're Northern enough that we still get shit done. Like that's kind of where Maryland sits. So it has that no nonsense niceness the Midwest is known for. So we kind of have that feeling. You're also, one thing that, because I'm from St. Louis, are you from the Baltimore area or? I'm from right between Baltimore and DC. Okay. Metropolitan area i think what one weird thing that i think st louis and baltimore have in common is that the well there's a couple right now unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) but the accent oh a weird mix of the above and below so like yeah this accent is like it's somewhere between fargo Mm -hmm. and the south yeah and i feel like the maryland the baltimore accent is something a weird like mix like that it's rough it's a lot of hands and hey go wash your clothes like it's really it's harsh (laughs) and weird it's aggressively southern but also has these hard r's in a weird place i my my boyfriend came home with me for the when he came home for the first time he met my best friend's parents who are both from inner city baltimore and he did not know what they were saying to him. Uh-huh. And he was like, I can't understand them. It's giving me a panic attack. 
are they asking me questions? I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> and I don't know wow. how I don't have one, but I don't know. I think I watched too many, too much TV and movies as a kid and it kind of just like gave yeah. me just the broadcaster voice. Right. My yeah. wife is from Minnesota. Oh, okay. And oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's mostly gone. Like her accent is mm-hmm. mostly gone. But if we go back, comes back. and she's a, around people with that accent, it comes right back. And yeah. It's, uh, and she, she once years ago uh, met a friend of mine and we, uh, he had heard about her and, uh, and he asked her a question, like a yes or no question. That was like the first thing he just said, oh, blah, you know, just a very, mm-hmm. very pleasant question. And she said, uh, no. No. And he go, and he immediately, almost like he had caught her in a lie, he just goes, where are you from? <laughs> and she's like, uh, Minnesota? He's like, I knew it. <laughs> that was that was Jen's introduction to this friend of mine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, Isn't gosh. it weird the places? I always think about this because of who we end up with, significant otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's like the places you end up visiting. Like my wife is from Southern California, mm-hmm. and to me, it's just funny to think of like her as a high schooler, never knowing that she had multiple trips to St. Louis, Missouri, <laughs> with me in her picture. Like that's hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you had told the 10-year-old me, like, I hope you like Minnesota, it's like, I don't even know where that is. What does that Why even mean? Why would I mean? need, ever need to go there? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, That's hilarious. Okay, so you're, you're from uh, from Maryland. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. how, long, how long have you been in Los Angeles? I've been out here for about eight and a half years. I, I grew up in Maryland, uh, and then went to college in Philadelphia, and then I moved out here pretty much right after college. Okay. So, I was going to get Philadelphia. Oh, as far as where you were from? Oh man, Ugh, I got yeah. it. Why, you would have been close. Uh, I don't know because I thought like it's Midwestern-ish. It is but on the East Coast. Well, yeah, Pennsylvania is a whole thing. Yeah, Ugh, weird square <laughs> state. <laughs> Square, like in their attitude, or square because more of a rectangle, right? Yeah, but like, but yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. it's fine. It's it's a fine place. Philly is a rough city. I've I've heard that. I've, yeah, well, and you're in in the world of comedy, and I everything negative I hear about Philadelphia is from comedians. Yeah, who don't like performing for those audiences. But then I hear about helium. I hear about helium. Yeah, yeah. like one of the great helium is fun. Helium is pretty fun. Philly. The thing is, Philly is just really unsafe and scary and um like when i went where i went to college three blocks behind the campus was just like one of the scariest ghettos that you've ever been to and Mm -hmm. there were there were roving gangs of 12 year olds of two by fours that would beat the shit out of frat kids on weekends so like and it was like a private college i'm I'm not sure whose side to take there oh i mean like i loved it (laughs) but (laughs) but then i also like my car got broken into like six times over the course of four years and it's just it's i remember like when i first moved out here i was a um a travel coordinator on like reality shows and um Okay. I put up Let's some put people. Yeah. Coming back to that. <laughs> we'll come back to it. And I like put people up uh, in Philly at like a really nice hotel on uh, University of Pennsylvania, UPenn's campus. And they heard gunshots in the night. And they were like, where the hell are we? And I was like, you were at one of the nicest places in the city. You just hear gunshots everywhere in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's a scary place. It used to be great because it used to be really cheap. But New York has gotten so expensive that everyone's moving down to Philly. And now Philly is starting to jump up. Interesting. And what, commuting? Yeah. They commute to Manhattan. How, how long is the drive from Philly? Oh, you wouldn't drive. You could take a train and it would be an hour and a half, but it's a, right? yeah, it's a $20 round trip. So it's, you know, it's easy. It's an easy, yeah. Never drive to New York. There's no reason to. I've been working <laughs> from, I've been working in this room uh, for years. So I haven't had a commute in many, many years. Yeah. 
So the idea of driving 20 minutes somewhere is like, ugh, can't I just go back to bed? Yeah. Um, and even on a train where you can read or you can mm-hmm. sleep or whatever, just like an hour and a half to and from, just ugh, it, it exhausts yeah. me just thinking of it. I, I, I want to go to bed now. But that's, that's <laughs> funny. You have a very rare experience in Los yes. Angeles because I... I live only a few miles from where I work, and an hour and a half commute isn't that out of. The, I live in North Hollywood, and I work in Beverly Hills, and oh. that's it's, it. Can be really tough. There's nothing good about Beverly Hills. There's just not. There's it's not. It's not easy to get to. No, there's nothing it's good always about. a problem. Yeah. it's expensive. The people are the worst, with the exception of the people that come into work there. But, um, you know, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just the people that are hanging out there all the time, just with their nice cars on the streets, like, I, and then just standing next to their cars, watching people look at their cars, <laughs> like that is, uh, you're a monster. <laughs> What's the matter? Yeah. With you? <laughs> um, let me. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I go to the, I go to the post office in Beverly Hills, okay. and I see like the woman who works at the post office. I see her because I often take the bus. I take public transit to work. Yeah. So I see her on the bus and I feel like we have this bond of like these fucking people. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> but here's okay, a couple things I like about Beverly Hills. Okay. I like that certain intersections have the diagonal crosswalk. That's nice. Mm, you know, I also like, and this is just a personal preference. Mm-hmm. Beverly Hills is one of the few places in Los Angeles, at least like built up Los Angeles where it's still completely acceptable to smoke a cigarette on the sidewalk. Right, as I feel like if you're in like Burbank or if you're in a lot of places, you can't like even just on the sidewalk, it's frowned upon. But I think Beverly Hills, I think maybe fancies itself a bit European, even though it's not. Mm -hmm. But I feel like people there's this air, and it's also very Persian. There's a lot of and so there's I don't want to stereotype. Yeah, yeah. These people smoke cigarettes. They smoke a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So it does feel that's one thing I do like about Beverly Hills is that I don't get uh, you know uh, I don't get looked at sideways for having to cigarette outside. I guess being a non-smoker and also hanging out at lots of dive bars as a comedian, like (laughs) it doesn't feel like it's a problem in the city. But I could I could see how that would be a thing though. I know Burbank is like really intense you can't can't smoke anywhere there i've seen those signs my boyfriend used to smoke and he was just like we're never going to burbank it's never gonna happen my wife got a rather steep jaywalking ticket in burbank in burbank and it's like look we all know that jaywalking is like a thing like it's a it's a social contract yeah Yeah. (laughs) which is this is a law we can all break yeah Uh that's the contract especially in burbank come on yeah and then and so this guy like Gave her a lot of crap, and, and Jen uh, did not react great. Yeah. And he was very belligerent to her, and she kind of got a little bit emotional. Mm-hmm. Then he suggested, like, he made, like, judgments about how emotional she was getting. And it was just like, oh. it's really tough. This is a cop? This is a cop. Oh, uh, Burbank police. Uh, Burbank and then police. Front, and then front Fuck of the, the BPD. <laughs> <laughs> BPD. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. There, I feel like there's one more, one letter missing. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then uh, front of the show, Kyle Kinane has a whole bit about the Burbank police. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I played it, I played it for Jen. I was like, look, this is, it might have been the same guy. Yeah. You're not the only one, Jen. <laughs> it's okay. I hadn't heard about that, but I had heard about them, like the LAPD downtown cracking down on jaywalking, hmm. which is such a weird thing. But downtown, okay, you've been here eight and a half years. Yeah, I've yeah. been here almost 10. What, you're probably also about eight and a half? Yeah, yeah. I think. January uh, 2007 is when I moved yep. out here. In yeah. the 10 years I've lived in Los Angeles, I have seen downtown Los Angeles go from ghost town 
to suddenly really cool yeah. to now uh, yuppie douchebags. Oh, it's so <laughs> yuppie douchebag it, it back down there. So quickly. It's so fast, right? <laughs> yeah. Like suddenly like, oh, downtown's cool. And then, yeah. Nope. Because when I first moved out here, I was like, downtown LA, that's that's the beginning of Demolition Man. Like that's, that, that's what that place is. You don't go there. Yeah. And then I started doing shows down there and she's like artisanal breweries and lots of like avocado food trucks. And you're like, okay, Have everybody. You been to the, I haven't been there. My wife told me about it. The place that sells, I swear this sounds like a joke from Portlandia, mm-hmm. but it's a downtown Los Angeles place that sells bicycle churned ice cream. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate it. I that sounds it. like something out of Willy Wonka. <laughs> oh, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Give them a ticket. <laughs> Give them a ticket for being assholes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. Now, if anyone's breaking a social contract, it's them. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Really? Ugh. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, go. <laughs> you know they all have wax mustaches if you work there too. Just yeah. wax mustaches and their bikes and their ice cream. Uh, they yeah. think they're so adorable. Yeah, arm garters. Ugh, that, yes, yes, yeah. totally. Oh, I yeah. hate. Th- I hate them. <laughs> I hate them so much. And I bet you they're a block away from Skid Row also. Right. Yeah. Like that's the thing about downtown. That's still so weird is that it's like on, there's two sides of yuppie moving in on the middle and nobody is acknowledging that there is still Skid Row in the middle. Yeah. I acknowledged it very quickly recently. When, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I went to a, a really wonderful uh, restaurant downtown called perch. Yeah. That I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then we needed gas. Ooh. And uh, the GPS took us right into Skid Row, where the gas station had closed down, by the way. Yep. And so immediately it's like, it's like, we took two turns. Yeah. And we're right here. Yeah. And then we took a left turn and we're back in like the really pleasant part, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, wow, that happened really fast. It's yeah. weird. There's yeah. like, I don't know, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, Sorry, could, we've been talking about it. Yeah. But I could go on. Sorry yeah. for the LA geography for those listening yeah, from not. Okay. Okay, we should keep it light. The Skid yeah. Row thing is the thing that really pisses me off, and the way that the, the policing that is they going. won't just oh, like that move and let the you know let the place clean up. Is that what no, you're talking the, about? That uh, you know we talk about them handing out jaywalking tickets, but it's like a policy yeah. in Skid Row to hand out citations for everything, mm-hmm. which. Their homeless people can't pay. Right. No. So it's just to turn them into arrest warrants so that yeah. the next time they hand out a citation, oh, they can they arrest, arrest them and them. get them off the street, and it turns into a cycle. Yeah. They've essentially criminalized homelessness. They've forced all the homeless people into mm-hmm. this square, whatever square block area, yeah. and criminalized being homeless, and then they just sweep them up and take them off the street for a few months and then dump them back on when their jail sentence. Yeah, it's, I know uh, they have... It's infuriating. I know that's not what we talk about in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. But it is... <laughs> Uh, very upsetting. It does seem like a cycle that deserves to be broken and yeah. probably could be easily. I don't know. I'm not yeah. I'm not an idea man. I I recognize problems and let someone else solve them. What if someone made a documentary about it? Is that what you guys gotta it's important to raise awareness. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, like totally. I'm aware of this problem now. Mm-hmm. I am too. Yeah. And that's where it's gonna end yes. for me. Yeah. I'll tweet um, about it later. There, absolutely. <laughs> so Yes. How did you get into comedy? When did you know you wanted to do comedy? Um, so you guys are older than me, so you might Just judge. You might judge me on this. It's enough, though, because my 
first comedy hero and to this day still my guy even though he's really hard to stick by sometimes is Jim Carrey mm-hmm. and Ace Ventura 2 sure. was uh, a, a now that's when nature calls that's when nature calls okay, yeah. when nature calls uh, it, basically a, a religious experience in that movie the when second, I was a child the second one because that, I, you're two right years, that, that two, two years, years makes a difference, is a difference because that yeah. was like right at the time that I was old just old enough because I loved the first one and yeah, I was yeah. old enough to know mm-hmm. the second one's not, not very good I know although I will say this I will let you continue mm-hmm. in a second but That's I want to point out I'm gonna let you finish yeah because <laughs> I love even in the worst movies I love pointing out the stuff I like yeah yeah and at the beginning of When Nature Calls when he does the slinky down the like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. an Incan like ziggurat yes. or whatever yeah. and he does yeah. the slinky and it goes down to the, the second but last step yeah and the guy who's trying to like recruit him is like come on we gotta go uh-huh. and he's like sure one more time he's like they're waiting for us he's like fine Let's do everything you want to do. <laughs> yes. Which is something that I still say to my wife to this day all the time. I'll tell you what, the, Jim Carrey in the 90s, nobody has more catchphrases than that yeah. guy for that <laughs> entire decade. He just nailed it in every movie. But so the, Jim Carrey is your yeah, hero. The, the scene where Jim Carrey comes out of the rhino's ass in that movie uh, was, oh, a, was like a, a religious experience for me <laughs> as a child. Because I had never laughed that hard at anything in my life. And I was like, I want to do this, but not this, but kind Kind of this. So if you had an opportunity yes. in a movie or something or a mm-hmm. TV show to come out of a mechanical rhino's asshole, yeah. you'd do it. It would be on an principle. O- yeah, on principle. Okay. hundred percent on principle. Okay. You hear that, Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> They've been looking. They've been looking for someone. As it turns out, in the history of Hollywood, there's only been one person. <laughs> and it was twenty years ago. Oh um, man. I've heard this rumor, I don't know if it's true about the Ace Ventura movies, that like the reason that now when uh, a, an actor does a movie that they uh, like so automatically get signed for potential sequels yeah. is because Jim Carrey wasn't signed for a second Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura yeah. was a huge hit and then mm-hmm. he soaked the studio oh, sure. yeah. for, <laughs> for When Nature Calls. He did not want to make it because he had a very strong policy for a long time. I know way too much about Jim Carrey. We'll see how this, we'll see. I might sound like a real creep at some point in this podcast, but like he had a, he, he did not want to re- repeat any characters he was always like for a long time was like i i got everything i wanted out of that character there's nothing more to say about that because these are comedy characters and they don't have any more than what i put into this movie and that's mm-hmm. it and then he and then they forced him into ace ventura like he, for a while he was like i even remember reading interviews where he was like yeah i didn't really want to do it but i did i mean made a lot of, <laughs> made a lot of money and also the um oh what's his name the original director uh, I'm not going to pull pull his name from the first one. It was supposed to direct the second one, and then he got fired. And then the writer from the first one ended up directing the second one. I think his name is Steve Odenkirk. And, oh, yeah, they, yeah. and they had they had a real, yeah. real, real, real is it like, Tom contentious. Shadiak? Tom Shadiak, yes, is that the guy from the first one. Yes, okay. I think so. Um, and Shadiak was supposed to direct the second one, and then he got canned. And he now has given up all of his wealth, yeah. and he lives yeah. in a trailer park in Malibu. A documentary about him. Yeah. yeah. A few years ago. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I want to, though. But um, It's kind of a, a mixture of, like, admirable and... And crazy. It feels um, like something happened. Yeah. Something in his brain happened, and he was like, I'm going to go live in a trailer by the sea. But it seems like the kind yeah, of thing. still in Malibu. Yeah, still in Malibu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to yeah, be he's fair, still be all right. I've looked at that trailer park, and it's still like those lots are like half a million dollars. Like, it's yeah, still yeah. not like he's in like a little, like, you know, sea shanty town or something. Yeah. Like, it's still that nice. reminds me. Uh, 
<laughs> a movie from my childhood that I watched over and over mm-hmm. again called National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One. Damn right. Yeah. Where Emilio Estevez's character lives uh-huh. in a trailer on the beach, but then the joke <laughs> is that when you go inside, it's like this massive like, mansion. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, that movie is so much better than it gets credit for. It's a really good one. Uh, um, okay, yeah. so, so Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim Carrey, big deal Fire for Marshall me. Fire Marshal Bill. Fire Marshal Bill was, I, I like it now. I didn't watch that much of it as a kid because still 84. I was still a little bit too young for Living Color. My okay. parents, like, didn't let me watch a lot of that stuff on TV, but I have seen it like in like hi- later high school and college. I watched a lot of it. Um, I liked him. One of my favorite things that I ever saw in the price is right. Mm-hmm. Is that a guy won the show, uh, not whatever the showcase showdown, not the, but the showcase showdown is that the spinning. No, that's before the, just the initial thing. Okay. The, you know, he, you bid yeah. on the thing. He got to play a game Got it. before he wa- could play a game. He really wanted to do his fire marshal bill impression <laughs> for Bob Barker. That's and awesome. so he did a fire marshal bill impression. Bob Barker was like, that's great. <laughs> Let's move on to the next. Like Bob Barker has no idea who Fire Marshal Bill is. Oh man, that's uh, so uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you guys had Josh Androsky on the show? No, no. Josh Androsky is a, a comic in Los Angeles, and um, our, our friend Tess uh, had her birthday a couple years ago, and uh, she had She's probably had a couple since then. I'm getting yeah, nope. well, yeah, yeah. that's up. the last one. <laughs> it, it might, it should, she, it should have made her last one because it was amazing. She had a, um, she had a drug Easter egg hunt in her lawn, and then hired a stretched Hummer limo to take everybody to the price is right and our friend josh got onto the price is right high on mushrooms and a dolly parton t-shirt with a hat that says big papa and they asked him what he did and he said that he was a skateboard rabbi (laughs) and then when he said what does uh what does that mean he said well we turn religious extremism into religious extremism (laughs) and he is the highest person that's ever been on the price is right Uh, this was drew carey this is Drew Carey, yeah. Okay. Drew Carey was super into it too. Yeah. He's just like, all right, buddy. I feel like he'd be, yeah, he'd yeah. enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. So, yeah. what what always fascinates me, uh, especially from. So, a, we're, are we done talking about Jim Carrey? No, I'm. I'm okay, good. Wait, yeah, hang yeah. on. How much do you want to talk about Jim Carrey? I was going pretty to. Pretty much the rest of the show. Okay, I was going <laughs> I to talk about him this. and then transition. Okay, okay. Hey, look, okay. there's a wall full of Riddlers behind you, all right? Like oh, I yeah. can I can talk about Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, I didn't even see that. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, so, he's 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 my guy. Yeah, God. <laughs> um, what's fascinating? So okay, so you you know you're a comedian, mm-hmm. but he is such a specific comedic presence, and my act is nothing like right. His. That was my question. Like nothing like how his. do you how does somebody look be inspired by that and mm-hmm. then say. I want to do that, except nothing like that. Let I me, basically want to do the common denominator, yeah. which is making people laugh. Well, this is this is this I think is why. So I am a stand-up comic, which means that I'm a writer and a performer. But I consider myself more of a writer than a performer. Like the 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 joke ideas and structure and that stuff comes more easy to me. And I I am generally a relatively introverted person, and I kind of have to like. It took me a while to get over that and to like be on stage and and kind of like act out stuff a little bit more. And I think he is so extreme in that direction mm-hmm. that it was it was like oh here's this person that also I knew had a really like sad dark childhood that like has pushed himself into this like he is he is able to be this out outside of his comfort zone or whatever on stage in a way that like it was something that I looked up to for a long time as like an introvert that I was like oh wow look people love you and you are a psycho mm-hmm. on stage and on and, and in movies and like that's so far that like I wanted I like used some of like that fearlessness that he had 
had to like push myself out of my shell a lot as mm. a kid. Yeah. So it was like, it was like such an extreme version of a thing that I like was like, I can be some version of this, but yeah. I, I like need that almost cartoonish person to like push me out of it. Cause I was a, I was a really quiet kid in school. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Yeah. Cause like, you know, that's, because you're talking about inspiration not merely mm-hmm. to do comedy. Yeah. But inspiration to, this is going to sound cheesy, like be brave. And yeah. Be, and, and step outside of yourself and take risks. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, if, so, if you told Jim Carrey that, he'd be like, uh, you know, I was just uh, <laughs> crawling out of a rhino's ass, right? Unfortunately, he probably wouldn't say that. I don't want to meet him. I love I, I love him way too much. I'm terrified because I know he's crazy now and I don't yeah. want to meet him. Yeah. And it's like, but I mean, like, he, yeah, no. But he, he, as a kid, he just like he was he was everything to me because, yeah, he, he really was this just like cartoon crazy version because he also I don't know if you guys know about he has this story about how um, like he came from like a really his dad got laid off when he was when he was young and like he dropped out of high school in ninth grade he'd been a straight A student but then his family had to go move on to this like factory lot and he had to like work night shifts doing security at the factory so he like had to drop out of school to like make money so he was like um, got really angry and like like had all these problems and like his, his grandparents like disrespected his dad and his mom was a hypochondriac and like mm. he just was homeless for a couple of years because the family was like we would rather be happy homeless than like live on the front like and then live in this factory and like none of us have anything and then he got into comedy because he like wanted to make his parents laugh whenever his grandparents would call his dad a loser like he mm. was just like then he would just do impressions of his grandparents to like make his dad happy basically yeah. and then he like had this thing where he wrote him when he moved to LA originally he got um, a show called Oh, the Duck Factory, I think. The Duck Factory. And he moved his parents here immediately. And then the show got canceled. And when the show got canceled, he like went up to the top of, to the top of Mulholland by himself. And he wrote himself a check for $20 million. And he was like, I'm going to cash this in 10 years. And like within about 10 years later is when he got the cable guy, which is like when he got that first like $20 million check. And he put that check in his, wait, no, it wasn't the cable guy. It was something else. Um, but he, he put that check like in his, dad's breast pocket and he was buried with it yeah it's just like this like insane like motivational story that i was just like yeah no darkness is gonna happen but if you believe in yourself you can manifest things for yourself i think i'm a bigger jim carrey fan yeah yeah i I had heard the the check story but i hadn't heard of like all the other uh, Mm -hmm. stuff before that his childhood is super dark yeah and And you are making me realize that i the events of recent years have made me forget how much that I, I do actually like Jim Carrey. He's great. He's just like really into vaccines and it's just a really, it's a shame. Or not. <laughs> yeah, he's really or not. not yeah. He's really not into them and it's, it's a real bummer. But did you see, um, I love you, Philip Morris. I loved it. It's so great. This is the thing. Like even in the movie, I've, I have not missed the opening day of a Jim Carrey movie since Ace Ventura two. That is a promise that I keep to myself. That's the thing that I do. So you saw dumb and dumber too. Yeah. So you saw Kick-Ass 2. Yeah, I saw Kick-Ass 2 in open day. I saw He's number- great in that. He's fantastic in it. Yeah. He's so good in it. He, he, he was, was the reason I wanted to see it, and yeah. he did not disappoint. He's not in no, it much, no, but he's I wish really good. I wish he'd been in it more, because he was great. He was he was awesome in that. Um, he was great in um, Burt Wonderstone that just came out. Um, Which I didn't see, and I wanted to. It was fun. Burt Wonderstone, two, two it's fun. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, two years ago. I don't know. Time flies. We're all getting older, David. Yeah. <laughs> so you were there opening night. Opening night. 
for Mr. Popper's Penguins? Yeah. I was on vacation with my family in Vegas, and I was like, I got to go to Popper's Penguins. I went to, there's an under the water, uh, under the sea in 3D science center IMAX thing that he narrated, and I went to the opening day of that because I thought it counted. David, I want you to immediately go through his entire filmography (laughs) because I don't immediately remember it, and I'm sure there are projects that he's done that I've forgotten. Now, what about a small role like Anchorman 2? Yeah, I saw Anchorman 2 on opening day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw, uh, I've seen, I saw Simon Birch. I saw Simon Birch on opening day. I saw the number 23 on opening day. <laughs> oh, wow. Which the Majestic? Which, I saw uh, the, yeah, I love the Majestic. Number yeah. 23 shot at the Bahuka restaurant, which is really? now closed. Hmm. It was this insane, It's in, it was in like Rosemead out in you know, yeah. East Los Angeles County. Uh, that was this insane tiki restaurant that had like oh, cool. fish tanks in the walls. Oh. It's yeah. also the tiki restaurant in uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also oh, the place closed? Uh, it closed, yeah, That's two or three years ago. Yeah, my mm. wife went for like the last uh, went a couple weekends before it closed, mm. and it was yeah. insane, uh, an insane wait. But yeah. I love tiki. I know we're off to Tiki's off, great. Off, but it's, it's so. Okay. Yes. You were on... Okay, this is kind of tying it back. No, no, no. You were on the Dork Forest podcast, right? Yes, yeah. You talked about ska? I was talking about ska music, yeah. Okay. That sort of ska-like mm-hmm. punk scene and the tiki scene yeah. have a weird overlap. They do. I don't... like. But when you go to like a tiki bar, you see people with mm-hmm. like ska jackets or like the punk like social distortion is yeah like, you always see social distortion stuff at tiki restaurants for some reason mm-hmm. tiki bars what is that overlap i think i i don't know i feel like a lot of it comes from um specifically real big fish's third wave ska like aaron barrett wears a lot of hawaiian shirts and like has this kind of like hawaiian elvis look that like people have kind of embraced like the aesthetic of it a little bit and like um the bostones have always kind of liked that as i think a lot of ska bands just like tiki so they just like have incorporated elements of it like the planet smashers from from canada they use a lot of tiki stuff on like all of their album art i think they just they just like the aesthetic of it because it's like it's a fun good time if you're yeah. sink, sipping uh, whatever, I, I don't drink, so I don't know what I don't know what you drink at a tiki bar, but like mai tai, yeah, probably. yeah, mai tai, navy grog. There you go. What a that's, navy that's a drink. grog, a navy grog sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Like, I feel, uh, but uh, like also with like I feel like ska and tiki mm-hmm. and like rockabilly also yeah. like all have this idea like white culture peaked in the late fifties. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all like, it's like a time capsule. Yeah. You go back to some sky. Yeah. Some some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some of it has that feel to it, but yeah, no, I, I think people just like the aesthetic of it a little bit. And I, I got no complaints. I love Tiki. So when you were on the dork forest, did you talk only about ska or were, what were your other dorkdoms as Jackie says? Um, we pretty much talked, we, we pretty much talked about ska. I gave her a list of a couple things and Jim Carrey was one of them. And she was like, let's talk about ska music. I was like, Oh, you're older. So you hate him because I have a grandmother. She's dead now. And I did not like her for the majority of my life because when I was a kid and I told her that I love Jim Carrey, she Every time she would see me, she'd be like, do you still like that Jim Carrey? She hated him. Hated him. And as if he had personally wronged her. And as a child, it made me hate her. Because I was like, how could you hate my hero this much? And I did not cry when she died. (laughs) Well, for a number of reasons, but you know. I feel like there's a lesson in there for all of us, like as we get older, to not be dismissive of things that younger people like. Do you know? Like, Like how... I think for a lot of people, like the fact that 
Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus are somewhat like respectable artists now is Mm -hmm. tough for a lot of people to swallow because they took this hardline stance like that's crap Mm -hmm. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's something to there's something to learn there about like not being dismissive. And like remember like when you're a kid, like the world is scary and weird and you just need to latch on to something that makes you feel like you have some understanding of what the hell this is and like maybe that is Miley Cyrus to you or like that is Jim Carrey to you in the 90s Mm. it'd be weird if that was Jim Carrey to you now but I'm a fan (laughs) you know what I think he's making a lot of sense I'm a fan of Miley Cyrus by the way oh she's great we go to the same Trader Joe's I see her sometimes oh Oh. that's awesome yeah (laughs) that's that's really cool I like Miley a lot the podcast because well I also love any celebrity that is all of because I'm a I live in the valley mm-hmm. and the fact that Miley Cyrus lives in the valley yeah hangs out in the valley is well, cool to me and like she can legit sing have oh, you yeah. have you watched any of her backyard session videos no. she has these great videos where she'll have musician like iconic musicians on and then she'll just like jam acoustically with them in the backyard on like their hits and just do duets with them and she's like a legitimate really good singer do you know I was at Comic Con a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and Bill Murray was there promoting his movie Rock the Casbah oh yeah and, and he, he like it said. Yeah. It was like because he had heard Bennett some yeah. sort of thing where Miley Cyrus sang, and he was like, "You guys." His exact words were, "Miley Cyrus is fucking good." <laughs> <laughs> Take that, nerds! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. I'm fascinated. I'm I'm back to Jim Carrey now. That's fine. Get because, into it because here it's this is like your second Dork Forest appearance. Yeah, this, no, it's fine. Jim Carrey. Uh, it's fine. Um, I, I love talking about him. So, do you have a favorite uh, performance of his? Um, or do you just go back to Ace Ventura because that's the one that got you? I mean, Eternal Sunshine is, yeah. I mean, I think that's his, his best movie, best performance. He's yeah. fantastic. And, and I, you are currently rocking Kate Winslet's hair. I, I am. Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, when I uh, when I went to go see that movie on opening night, I owned an orange hoodie. And she wears an orange hoodie oh. at one point in that movie. And I was very self-conscious. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I am like cosplaying <laughs> right yeah. now as Kate Winslet. And I feel real weird about it. Um, I love that movie. I mean... The first time I, Liar Liar is super funny. Mm. There's like I seen it so dumb, long. it's it's funny, man. I mean like Dumb and Dumber is great. Like the jokes in it are just so strong and funny. It's like the Farrelly brothers' first like big mm. big thing and it's so good. Like yeah, I do enjoy him in uh, Me Myself and Me, Irene. Myself and Irene. That is such an underrated movie. Yeah. yeah. And Which it, we saw together early in our very early in our friendship. Yep. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's a good movie. Truman Show is great. I remember I remember I saw the Truman Show on opening day, which was June fourth, nineteen ninety eight. I know that because it was the last time my friend my friend Lindsay moved to Colorado the next day, and that was the last thing that we did when we used to lived in the same uh-huh. city. Yeah, That's we're we're still thing. friends. It's fine, but like, yeah, I was like our we like did that, and then oh man, I don't even know. We like this, this might now that I'm looking back as like an adult on an eighth grade me, we like there was this uh, Panda Express, and there was like a sign up on the door that was written in Chinese and we stole it and then we wrote fake Chinese letters and put it back up, which is probably racist (laughs) and I'm sorry, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's eighth grade. Yeah, exactly. And looking back now, there's like, Oh yeah, we did that thing. Oh, that's, Sorry, guys. <laughs> Look, we're all racist in eighth yeah, grade, obviously. It happens. Um, yeah, that's odd. Uh, so she, around the time Truman Show came out, she mm-hmm. was moving to Colorado. Yeah. I was moving out of Colorado. Oh. Uh, and I believe the first 
movie that I saw when I moved when I moved into Missouri from Colorado was The Truman Show. Oh, there you so, go. What an odd little thing. The but, movie um, that ties everybody together. He has I, a lot of really great films that people. Let's don't. talk about how great he is in Peggy Sue Got Married. Right. He's well, yeah. Fantastic in that movie. Fantastic in that movie. Oh, he's so great. And that's the thing. Like, you know, um, when I think about. Ace Ventura and how that made him mm-hmm. a star. Do you know that was supposed to be Brian Regan? Uh, I can picture it. Certainly. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, no. And part of me feels like, Oh, but it's like, if it had been Brian Regan, he might've been a star. It's like, yeah, but then yeah. we probably wouldn't have gotten this, the last 20 years of stand up. Yeah. From him. And the, it's pretty good. So yeah. I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. Me too. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, feels sometimes like Jim Carrey just kind of burst onto the scene. And while mm-hmm. it definitely was a risk yeah. to give him an entire movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he'd been in, in living color. He'd been in mm-hmm. earth girls are easy. Yeah. He'd been in Peggy Sue got married. Like he was still like a, he was around and mm-hmm. he was sort of, it seems somehow wrong that yeah. he was the breakout star of in living color. Yeah. Being the only white guy. Uh, that's yeah. Just like, like, yeah. Yeah. All these black people are pretty funny, I guess. But, but this guy over here now, this is a guy <laughs> well, we can build a movie around. Damon like, Wayans. Don't get me wrong. I feel like the Wayans dynasty has done pretty well in the ensuing years. Yeah. They've done pretty well. Like financially. <laughs> yeah. I think people yeah. go see their movies. I mean, they made white oh, chicks. So they sure did. Yeah. Which, okay, I talked earlier about um, uh, Ace Ventura 2, like, loving to point out the good parts of bad yeah. movies. Terry Crews in White Chicks. That was like, <laughs> ter- now we, I feel like we know that Terry Crews is fun. He's the man, yeah. But it was, like, such a revelation to me when I saw, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this guy is hilarious, and I yeah. only like the parts of this movie that he's in. Totally. Yeah, uh, at this totally. point, you could say, you could be talking about life. It's like, you know, it's important to point out the good parts of life because most of them aren't. Mm-hmm. And I think Terry Crews is one of them. <laughs> yeah, he's a good part in everybody's life. <laughs> yeah. um, well, yeah, you know what uh, we should uh, do real quick? What's that? I should talk about, I should tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Oh, that's right. We've got, forgotten about a half hour <laughs> late on that. Oh. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. And these styles are stylish and these colors are very colorful. Mm-hmm. I, have, I rock a, a bright yellow pair myself. Yeah. Uh, tweakedaudio.com. They sound great. They look great. And they're already at a low, low price. But if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get them for one third off and no shipping charges. Nice. So checked out, check out tweakedaudio.com slash pretension hmm. and all right let's let's get into it shall we i have a catchphrase well, why well, want oh yeah i have a catchphrase okay Randy. it's good so it goes let's get into it shall we that's great and i did not have a chance to say it yet so this is me awkwardly shoving it in okay let's get into it shall we yes which is to say Let's continue saying what we were saying. Let's get back to Jim Carrey. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> okay. a qu- being a Riddler fan yes. uh, and knowing that people, including me, do not like Batman forever. Yeah. Um, people will blame that on Jim Carrey. Do they? Not all, not completely. They'll blame Joe, Joel Schumacher. I was gonna. S- foremost, I was gonna should. say that is a <laughs> Schumacher error yeah. if I've ever seen one. But they. Basically, they question every decision he made, including having Jim Carrey, who is very much not necessarily, I won't say a flavor of the month because like the month yeah. has lasted 20 years. But um, yeah, but they say people will say like, so it's like, so what do you think? You like the Riddler? Huh? What do you think about Jim Carrey? They get mm-hmm. very incredulous about it. Yeah. And my answer is usually that's perfect casting. Yeah, it is perfect casting. Exactly. And if they had gone, you know, the Riddler is basically has only ever been 
interpreted two different ways, mm-hmm. which is Frank Gorshin crazy over the top, which was Batman Forever, yep. or very subtly evil mm-hmm. um, and very snide and arrogant. And I think Jim Carrey could have played either one. Yeah. And it's like the film around him is wrong. Yes. Uh, the two things that are right about that movie, one is the poster, which is one of the best poster designs I've ever seen. Such a good poster. Genuinely. Like, I can't picture it. I was walking, uh, I remember walking in Denver uh, into a United Artists Theater, and I just saw that poster, and it's just black, mm-hmm. bat signal, big green question mark around it. Yeah. And I was already a fan of the Riddler at the time, <laughs> and I didn't, you know, it was 95, I, di- I didn't yeah. look at you know, I found out a movie was being made when I saw a trailer for it and that was it. So I looked at that and I just thought, holy shit, you know, now if only I'd known, you know, that it wasn't holy shit, it would just be shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but Jim Carrey is the other part of it. And I think his scenes are full of life and they're vibrant. That's the one. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's pretty good. It's a really good poster. You're incorrect, David. It's awesome. (laughs) And so, um, I think I like, uh, Mm-hmm. Sorry, now it's taking us. Well, let me tell you which Batman poster I like better. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, that's the one I like from Batman Forever. That's the one. Uh, yes, uh, the Chris O'Donnell as Robin yeah. character poster. It's where it looks so, like he's like singing along to "We're Not Gonna Take It," yeah. or he's at the end of uh, yeah. Bre- uh, Breakfast Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like it's a it's a flamboyant movie that mm-hmm. was directed as super over the top, almost like a Cirque du Soleil version of of what a Batman musical would be mm-hmm. and Jim Carrey was like okay if that's what we're doing then that's what I'm gonna be and like him and um, Tommy Lee Jones are great together like they're yeah. these ridiculous cartoonish villains I think Tommy Lee Jones it's not necessarily his fault I think his character is not written the way two no. should be written they basically he, like uh, let's just have him say we instead of I alright we got this yeah. multiple personality thing no he did a lot with very very little yeah. in that film but I remember there's one moment so you know Jim Carrey doesn't seem scared you know, scary. It doesn't seem like a threat, no. but there's a, there's a moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically when Batman has to choose who he's going to save Robin or, uh, Dr. Chase Meridian. Yeah. I don't know why. Good I call. <laughs> and so it's just the way he, and Jim Carrey's spelling it out for him mm-hmm. and he's doing his usual big thing. Mm-hmm. And then he just gets, he just says, which one will it be Batman? And he just like, he's Stops. dropped all. Yeah theatricality mm-hmm. and now he's just like hard edged yeah and he's putting it right to him and in that moment i remember thinking like what yeah it's only one moment mm-hmm. but it's the moment that counts no there's a darkness i mean he's yeah. he's got a darkness swirling in him that only a few roles will let him play with and yeah. like yeah in that moment and even after that the scenes where he's um like you feel real empathy, I think, for his character at the end when he's all, you know, yeah. when everything comes back on him, and there's this like weird human moment where he's deformed, and you're like, yeah, oh, you're just a broken psycho, yeah. and like he really makes you feel it in a way that that movie is so campy and like yeah. unrealistic that you're like, oh, you found the weird humanity in Edward Nigma for like yeah. for like thirty seconds, and Joel Schumacher only gives you thirty seconds, <laughs> yes, and then true. he's like, no, but on to the black black paint instead. <laughs> <laughs> So we can, I guess, yeah. since we've been going for almost an hour, I guess we can move on and just <laughs> ask you about, you know, yes. 
some of the other movies some of that the you, non-Jim Carrey movies okay. yes if there like. is such a thing no there are there's, okay. I mean there, there are there are um, uh, my favorite movie is Bubba Hotep um, I'll give you I'll give you three films we can talk about any of them uh, Bubba, right. Bubba Hotep is my favorite movie um, uh, Zoolander plays a very important part in okay. I think me getting over 9-11 is that weird <laughs> like uh, Zoolander came out like a week after 9-11 that's right and yes. I saw that movie in theaters I think 13 times with my friends like that's wow. just what we did because I'm from DC and we were just yeah. like we just it went to the cheap theater because it tanked in the theater so fast and then yeah. we just went to go see Zoolander every weekend at least twice a weekend until it was out of theaters so that, and that was like I know that movie backwards and forwards I like that movie is a big deal for me um, and then Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is also one of my favorites hmm. those are like my three my okay. three like, favorites These, so those are there's three a lot great movies <laughs> I, I have not seen Zoolander yeah. nor have I is seen Beyond true? the Valley of the Dolls which oh, I, I'm a Roger Ebert fan so I that's like surprising yeah. Well, yeah, I've it's, seen all of them, but you should see Zoolander. I know. You would like Zoolander. Do you think so? Yes, it's very fun. It's very fun. All right. It's really, it's like, it's, it's perfect Will Ferrell at his okay. like Will Ferrelliest. It's okay. great. It, it's, it's really, really fun the whole way through. I love that movie a lot. Um, a little it, bit of Ben Stiller, like, goes a long way for me when he's when it, yeah. when like the part is right and he's doing yes. really well like I love it yeah. but so much about that character just seemed like the kind of thing that would grate on me that yeah. I, it just didn't appeal to me I, but enough people love it that I yeah. feel like I, I should make it a priority and it's very funny it's different from a lot of Stiller too because he's like a full blown sweet idiot as opposed to like the psychotic idiot that Stiller yeah. can play in a lot of stuff too you know like it's it's he's yeah I think it's, it's well also fun. a good movie. Everybody need to be, re, need to be reminded why we like Owen Wilson. Yes. Because sometimes I feel like Owen Wilson is like his Owen Wilson-ness has superseded what we like about him. Yeah. He's great. And it's mm-hmm. also maybe, even though it's very small, maybe my favorite David Duchovny performance of all yeah. time. No, Duchovny is great in it. Um, yeah. he plays, he's essentially the deep throat who like <laughs> yeah. reveals yeah. The, the conspiracy <laughs> yeah. to, to Zoolander. Yeah. He's really awesome in it. Um, there's an Andy Dick cameo. If you look mm-hmm. Pretty quickly. That's pretty great. It's, it's Billy Zane, of course. Oh yeah, there's some good cameos in that movie. I won't say much more. It's like which are probably even funnier now because it's 2015. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a really I, now, I I love Zoolander. How do you feel about the idea of Zoolander two happening? Um, I am I'm cautiously optimistic only because the people that I know that have been on set doing Punch Up I think are very funny. Okay, and I I feel like those guys have had enough misses at this point that like they know they need to nail it. You know what I mean? Like, and especially like, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Will Ferrell. I I love Will Ferrell, but he's had done some real bummers lately. And, um, I think like that was one of the roles that like was one of his breakout performances. So he's gonna, I, in my heart of hearts, I hope that he is going to like be like, all right, we got to If we're bringing back Mugatu, it's gotta be like, we got to crush it. I hope you're right. I, I, I hope so. I want it to be so good. I, I have a tendency to, anytime they bring back, the more I like something, yeah. the more I am skeptical of it. Like, I, yeah. you know, I think Wet Hot American Summer is one of the greatest I'm movies terrified. of all time. And yeah, yeah exactly. I'm terrified. Everyone seems so excited about this show, and I feel like this could be Yeah, awful. no, I'm, t- I'm, I'm terrified. I mean, I am scared about Zoolander 2. I will not be seeing that on opening night. Um, I will be waiting to see what people say before I go. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's it, this is a thing that I think we've we've talked about before in regards to other things, but like there's just something about 
I think I think comedy specifically, mm-hmm. a comedy comes out, takes people by surprise, they love it, it kind of defines what comedy is going to be for a few years, yeah, and it makes a star out of any number of people in the film. Mm-hmm. Then they make a sequel later than one would think, yeah, and now the sequel that they're making it ha- it can't just be a follow up to the film, yeah, it has to be a follow up to people's love of the film, which yeah. means. They play into every they rather than come up with new jokes, they'll just repeat the ones you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about Anchorman two at the moment. Oh yeah, completely. Like, completely. And and I feel and having not seen Zoolander, I feel like people talk about Anchorman the way they talk about Zoolander. Yes, which you know, and there's and now a 14 year gap between the two. I know. Like that's pretty rough. And so, I, I don't and know. That's what, this same thing, but minus the gap is uh, the Austin Powers movies. The mm-hmm. sequels are so bad that everyone, I think, forgets that the first one is great. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you agree. You, no, I, 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 I agree. Think, I think I Austin Powers: it. International Man of Mystery is hilarious. It's but the parts that all the dummies responded to are yeah. not the best parts of the movie. They're the broadest parts. Yeah, and they made two sequels that are just all that stuff. Well, yeah. and even even the broad parts in the first one, they're still funny mm-hmm. because they're part of a funny movie, but then you latch onto that. It's it's what I say about uh the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That first one's really the good. The first one's great. I loved the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And then they just keep bringing back Ugh. like why is the rum gone and just yeah. over and over that and it's just like just come up with new lines and bring back Jack Sparrow, who everybody likes, and just let that be it. Yeah, and oh. and, and he's still doing Jack Sparrow in every yeah. movie. Can I, I tell a story? He, uh-huh. he did Jack Sparrow at like a kid's hospital recently. It was the most, for him. It's most that, fucking adorable thing I've ever seen. That's great. Just do it's it. Like, do it, do it, it like that. Do, that. do it not well, in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you ever need to feel bad for Johnny Depp, which is something yes. that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my f- my very first job in Los Angeles, I was a production assistant for a um, a, a company that did like uh, live presentations, uh, and this was just I was just hired for one job, and the job was it was the fall of two thousand five, and it was a um, day long Disney like stockholder shareholder i don't know what okay. the word is Ugh. i'm so like out of yeah <laughs> out of touch with what capitalism is anyway business, presen- business this presentation basically it was like here's all the great stuff we have lined up for 2006 it was essentially like a comic-con panel but it was all day and all day yeah mm-hmm. but i worked on it for a week tr- setting this thing up kind of like network up- upfronts kind of yeah but, but for just disney. for the richest like yeah. disney people and so they had huge stars mm-hmm. come out for just a you know they had they, these people are like under contract and had to show up and most of them at least got to show up as themselves johnny depp had to come out on stage oh, at the, oh. the kodak theater it was still called then yeah uh as as jack sparrow and mm. talk about rum for all these incredibly rich people oh i hate it yeah oh. <laughs> i that that creates enough sympathy yeah. for me yeah for him to last a while yeah um i guess i'm Here's what else I learned that day. Okay. Jerry Bruckheimer is tiny. He is a petite man. <laughs> hmm. I wouldn't think that based on his logo in movies. Yeah. <laughs> it has such a boom into it. Um, and um, no matter how demeaning this sort of thing is, mm-hmm. Jodie Foster is too much of a badass to be demeaned by just Jodie Foster being there yeah. was awesome because she's Jodie Foster. Yeah. Yeah. And Jodie Foster was my first celebrity sighting when I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, that's oh, a good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, she's she's awesome. I'm trying to think what else happened that day. Mel Gibson was there. This was pre... Mm. This is probably not like... 
I guess, yeah, timeline, this was like four months before he got pulled over and called oh, wow. by cop sugar tits and yeah, said yeah. the Jews were responsible for all the wars in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he already had a crazy beard. Oh. Um, Probably his apocalypto beard. I'm guessing that's what it Probably. was. I think that's what he was there to promote. I'm trying to, like, that was such a weird, weird day. Josh Lucas was there for Glory Road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elton John was there. Just he just played some of Benny and the Jets, like Elton John, one of the biggest. This is what I'm talking about. Like that, the the people we think of as like the famous people yeah. are they're puppets. They're yeah. someone they're locking real key. rich people. <laughs> oh so yeah, Elton John, one of the biggest stars in the world, ha, who lives in London, has to come all the way to Los Angeles to play half of Benny and the Jets to promote Nomeo and Juliet. Oh <laughs> man, <laughs> that's very dep- Nomeo and Juliet. Really. Because yeah, they was it Nomeo and Juliet? I think that, didn't they? No, use you're, John you're, songs you're correct. That? But I mean, it's like I guess they were working on it for a while because that seems pretty early for yeah, I the guess movie they coming out. For but yeah, bit. but uh, yeah. yeah, that has Elton John songs. In yes, it, right? it does. I never saw it. But it's yeah. terrible. I yeah, it. I don't know why yeah. I haven't talked more about this experience on the podcast. <laughs> this is the first time hearing of it. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell me Nomeo and Juliet was not good. Is that what you just said to me? <laughs> you know what? I'll say this. <laughs> in the spirit of David's rule, yes, there's one thing. Yes. That had me laughing like an idiot. Yeah. I went to a screening of it and, uh, you know, as tends to happen with kids movies, you can bring a plus one. People brought their kids. The kids laughed Mm -hmm. and I was alone. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but there's a thing where, uh, cause it's all these lawn gnomes and, you know, and, uh, and this, uh, woman is looking for like a lawnmower. And so she's looking online, and there's an ad for like just the uh, the Terror Furminator, and it's it's basically this little uh, like commercial that she's watching, voiced by Hulk Hogan, <laughs> and just like and it's basically just like it's the things like it's like treating your lawn like an enemy that needs to be destroyed <laughs> and all that, and so um so like the the main characters are, are looking at this old woman and she's like oh yeah get that get that then we'll beat these other gnomes and all that. And, um, but then she clicks over to this like $50, like, uh, like hello kitty themed, uh, lawnmower. And when you click yes, Mm -hmm. it goes (laughs) later on in the film, uh, he go, he breaks in and he orders the Terra Furminator. And when you click it, Hulk Hogan goes meow. (laughs) Like like I, I saw that. I was like, Uh, that's very funny. Is this like, that's such a, that's like an, a brilliant joke to me. Yeah. (laughs) It makes no sense. And I love it so much. I can't recommend this terrible movie, but that joke joke and that payoff. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Do you think Hulk Hogan, like in the recording booth question for a second, like, Brother, why am I saying meow? <laughs> and they're just like, just look, Hulk, you're very intimidating, but just say it. All right, here's some money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, all. sorry. Okay. Let's talk about Bubba Hotep. Let's okay. do it. Yes. Uh, I I think we all agree it's a great movie. Yeah. I love that film. Um, are you? But are you a fan of Don Coscarelli's other work as a director, which is very different? I don't Be- know what else he's done because he did Phantasm. That's what he's most known for. Oh, he's yeah. like a straightforward oh, okay. horror director. Oh, okay. And then this is a. Bubba See, Hotep is a, I was going to say horror comedy, but it's more of a comedy horror. Like it's comedy yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, comedy first, I think. Yeah. I, uh, 
I don't watch a lot of horror. Okay. Um, Child's Play 2 ruined my childhood. So I, I that one. Yeah. Man, these sequels are killing you. <laughs> yeah, I know. One inspires you, one destroys you. <laughs> I know. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I saw that. I saw Child's Play 2 at a sleep, my very first sleepover when I was four years old. Mm. Um, I was at a ballet sleepover and I was way too young. And that night we watched Child's Play 2, Pet Cemetery. And um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three. Oh, and well, I that's don't. A good one. Yeah, I don't remember the other two because I like went into like a blackout after Child's Play two. I just like crawled into my sleeping bag and was Who like, "Were the hosts of this the parents of one of the girls? Someone called." Child yeah, since the parents that uh, since like, have had their children taken away. I yeah, would, oh, without a doubt. Awful. I quit ballet shortly thereafter. I was just like, "Am I going back?" And I, my parents were <laughs> like, "Why?" And I was like, "I can't tell you because I have dolls." Like I didn't. I self-imposed a hell on myself for probably six years because I had dolls, and my dad had like built shelves around the top of my room, and they would stare down at me while I slept at night. And I didn't want to tell my parents to get rid of them because I didn't want them to find out and get mad at me and murder me. So I would like sleep with the covers over my head and then I would crawl up in a ball. So I looked like the covers had just been like thrown on the bed. And that's how I slept until like fifth grade. And then I was like, I can put my hand outside and it'll be okay. Like I willed myself to get over this phobia of Chucky. To this day, child, to this day, if I see Chucky, like my palms will break out into sweat. So I can't go to Hollywood Boulevard without doing a lap first to make sure he's not there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't watch horror movies very often. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> it well, really burned me on the genre pretty hard. <laughs> well, there's no, yeah, there, there's no dolls in Phantasm, but there's plenty of really freaky stuff. Yeah, yes, so very maybe, much so. Yeah, maybe gore doesn't, that. it's not gore, but it's the tension that gets me. Yeah. Like, gore doesn't, doesn't bother me in anything, but like, I just, I hate, like, not having the control of being like, do this, kill it. I yeah. hate, I, I hate watching a movie like that. Which one is Child's Play 2? I'm trying to remember what happens in Child's Play 2. <laughs> it's I know the, the first one. Mm-hmm. The third one's the Military Academy. Yeah. I couldn't even know so much about these movies. (laughs) What's wrong with you? What? You don't know what things about child's play movies? No. The third one I remember, I think I watched it at a sleepover. Yeah. Was the military academy where they're having like a training exercise and Chucky puts real bullets in all the guns (laughs) so that all all these teenagers kill each other. What a scamp. (laughs) What a murderous scamp. Yeah. Yeah. But then he jumps out at the one like the the old guy who's Mm -hmm. like the, I don't know, general, whatever, the head of the military school. It jumps out at him with a knife and the guy has a heart attack and dies and Chucky's like a heart attack you gotta be fucking kidding me people yeah. the kids in my school all like you used to quote that because we were like first discovering the word fuck or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. So, like, would say <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Academy I, Award nominee Brad Dourif. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who Chucky was. It bums me out that those movies became so cartoonish as time went on because a lot of people will laugh at me when I say that Child's Play 2 kind of ruined my life right. for a while. And I'm like, but isn't that what happened with all the slash? Like, Freddy became a, like, yeah. a vaudevillian murderer, essentially. Yeah. yeah. You go back and watch that first one. He doesn't have a lot of one liners. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's pretty tough. Yeah, no, Bubba Hotep is like the level of like horror I can handle, basically, yeah. Yeah. which is none. But it's such a cool movie. <laughs> well, so and it's fun. Wonderful performance by Bruce Campbell. Oh, I Bruce. think probably his best. Yeah. And if ever there is an excuse to not invest much emotionally in the character, 
that's it. Yeah. But like he really like it's this it's kind of it's beautiful. I, I can't believe I'm about to say this. It's like this little meditation on aging. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it completely is. Great. It's this like beautiful, dignified look at the elderly. Yeah. That you're just like, oh no, there's more going on here than we 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 treat them horribly and like they're still people who are capable of heroics till yeah. the very end. And why do we do this? It, it's just it's just like I'm also I'm a huge Elvis fan. I'm a huge Elvis fan. So like when when that came together, I was like uh, Bruce Campbell. Like I I loved him as a kid. I, he was like my one of my biggest crushes as a kid. Hmm. Like little girls loved Jonathan Taylor Thomas and like all of them. And I was like I like the I like Bruce Campbell. He's my he's my guy. He's my guy. I got I got Briscoe County <laughs> County at home. <laughs> I got Briscoe County. I loved him in uh in all the Xena and Hercules shows. That that is. Uh... He's such an odd level of fame because yeah. he he is, he has a cult following yeah and he's only ever had a cult following mm-hmm. you'd think that after a while that would have jumped to something bigger and he would have gotten like mainstream success now of course he's remarkably successful yeah. like everybody knows who he is yeah but he the only movie that he would ever headline is Bubba Hotep yeah. under Elvis makeup. It's <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. it's, it's, it's crazy to me. And I can't, I think I kind of love it though. It, lo- it allows yeah. him to be the kind of mm-hmm. actor he wants to be. I think. Oh, definitely. He's never going to be trotted out. If you ever of- see him like at comic con or WonderCon, like on a panel, yeah. he's a delightful presence. There's yeah. no mm-hmm. secret as to why he's so yeah. you know, loved. He's a very charismatic and, and fun guy. <laughs> Um, my first job in LA is I was an intern um, for Ghost House Pictures um, that did the original Army of Darkness movies, okay. and it's um, it's not it's Sam Raimi is slightly involved, but it's mostly Rob Tappert who was his producing partner, and um, Bruce Campbell used to call the office, and he my my boss is a guy named Michael, and he'd call him and go Michael Michael Motorcycle, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I just I was I'd be on the phone, and I'd be like, that's Bruce Campbell, oh my god. <laughs> It's my guy, Michael. Michael. Oh. Michael. Michael. You know what? I think I might be crushing on him a little bit myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just he. He is that perfect level of fame. I used to say that like Paul Rudd was the level of fame that I wanted to be at, but I used to say that like ten years ago, yeah. where like I was like, that's perfect. Like the people that re- you, you got a healthy, like good living. You know, you're you're fine. You're not stressed about money. The people that that recognize you in the street are true fans. You're not going to mm-hmm. get bugged by everybody. You're probably not going to get trotted out in front of a bunch of people. But now, Paul Rudd's too big. He's Ant-Man. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's Ant-Man. I don't... He's very small. Yeah, well, he's very small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to be that. I, I would never want to be that. But like a so Bruce Campbell Bruce level. Campbell yeah, that level of just like, you get to do what you want, and you're not stressed about money, and nobody's really going to bug you except for like your fans who are going to be super into everything that you do. Well, and I think that's why he's, he does so well at these conventions is because he's talking with fans, and he's at a level of fame where I think he understands... The fan, uh, he, yeah. the fans are what made me what I am. Yeah. So like, I think he probably has a genuine, as opposed to somebody walks up and you know to a random movie star and says like, I think I saw you in that thing. If people walk up to Bruce Campbell, they know what they saw him exactly, in. and they say like, I love this thing. It changed mm-hmm. my life. Bubba Hotep's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And like, he can say like, well this person and people like them is why I have any career at all. Exactly. So I think he, I think he has a genuine affection for fans or at least I yeah. hope so. It yeah. Seems to be the, it seems uh, to be the case. I also love all the people speaking of these conventions, the people who were more famous than people like mm-hmm. you can have a, like I remember the, uh, the panel for super, mm-hmm. right? Okay. In any, especially, you know, five years ago or whatever, by any 
large rubric, Liv Tyler is a more famous person than Nathan Fillion. Sure. Right? But at a convention. But, <laughs> Nathan Fillion gets the standing ovation. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. he's I, the I guy. Love that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And Bruce Campbell is like, Nathan Fillion is like second generation Bruce Campbell. Yeah, he's you know, like that I'd level. I'd say so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. He's got Castle. Castle is like Burn Notice. They're like of the same right. ilk of TV show also. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even in, in, did you see Super? Uh, I think I saw some of it. I don't think I, like I saw somebody watching it one time, but I and David, you never saw it, right? I never saw it. Uh, Nathan Fillion plays what can only be described as the Bruce Campbell role. Oh, nice. Uh, his character is on TV. Mm-hmm. He, and he's the, so when you are raised in the church as I was, and, uh, uh-huh. you understand that like there are, you know, they try, they make stuff that will like appeal to like kids and stuff, yeah. and stuff like that. So like, they'll do like, uh, like Bible man or something like that played, I believe by Willie Ames okay. uh, from Charles in charge. Okay. Um, and so James Gunn wrote a character like that so that rain awesome. Wilson is watching this thing and it's called like the Holy Crusader or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's Nathan Fillion dressed in this like ridiculous superhero outfit. And it's like a Christian superhero TV show from like the nineties. Yeah. And rain Wilson is watching that. And then this care and then like goes into, and then like, falls asleep and dreams of this guy like talking to him as the as the voice of god That's and awesome. it's just hilarious and just <laughs> because the character has to have a certain type of bravado it's a very bruce campbell type of role oh totally and, uh, yeah Brilliant. you guys gotta see it it's good stuff i would i, I want to i just haven't I, it's one of those things i just haven't seen um, one of my favorite movies that year i believe before we move on from boba hotel i want to recommend no i don't want to recommend this to you okay because you don't like Not horror me. and you yes. don't like this but uh, Don Coscarelli did uh, an episode of Masters of Horror. Do you remember the, uh, okay. the Showtime series mm-hmm. that oh. was all, it was like an anthology where they had yes. famous horror directors get an hour to do, tell whatever story they want. And one of the first ones, if not the first one that ever aired, was called Incident on and Off a Mountain Road, uh, directed by Don Coscarelli and starring Bree Turner and Ethan Embry. At this point, it was mm-hmm. before Ethan Embry had like mm-hmm. been on Brotherhood, and we realized like, oh, he's a big like yeah, he's a grown up now. guy now. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this is like the first thing I'd seen him in since you know Can't Hardly Wait or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's so weird because he plays a real creep. Yeah, uh, he plays like a nice guy who marries Bree Turner, but then over the course of the marriage becomes like a paranoid survivalist, mm-hmm. and then it, it turns into a horror movie after that. Uh, anyway, Don Coscarelli made that, and I uh, take any chance I can to recommend it. Nice. Is that? I'm trying to remember if that was. I watched one episode of one of those shows starring Meatloaf, and I don't know if that oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah. It was that the, the Masters of Horror series. Yeah, the Meatloaf one is the one where he's a guy who catches raccoons, right? <laughs> yeah. But then there's this weird special breed of raccoon who have these like shimmering coats, mm-hmm. and I think it's been like ten years now. Yeah. But, like, he's trying to catch these raccoons, and, like, either they trick him or he goes insane or something. And he ends up skinning himself. He makes a belt of his own. He he makes a meatloaf tank top, is what we used to call it. (laughs) He he makes a, he he ends up cutting a tank top out of his own skin, and then he pulls it off the way as you would a regular shirt. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it like. I'm trying to remember who made that one. I don't know why that made me laugh so much, because my my old roommate was watching it, and I, so I wasn't invested in it at all, and I walked in during that scene, and I was like, ah, I've got a meatloaf tank top on right now. And it, like, I, I always think of that when I think of when I think of TV horror. I'm like, ah, Meatloaf Whoa. ripped off his own skin, his own shirt skin. <laughs> yeah, man, horror, man, horror is uh, rough. That show was, <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved it. I have a thing. I have a. The episode was called Pelts. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And it was directed by Dario Argento. Ah, yes, that would explain it. <laughs> yep. Um, 
Yeah, it's, I, I, re, I, re, I was about to say, I have a thing about, you know, being skinned. I think probably everybody does. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Nobody likes the idea of it. Yeah. Oh, God. Have you Guys, just... don't laugh, but I don't like the idea of being skinned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this might be a little bit out there, but yeah. did you guys see what Jimmy Fallon just did to his finger? Did you see that thing? No. no. Oh, man. Jimmy Fallon, he, um, he, tr- he was tripped on a rug in his kitchen, and he caught his wedding ring on the table, and it's called, like, it's got, like, an, it's got a name. And he, I've, like, I've heard of that. Yeah, before. and he, 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 he fucked up his hand pretty bad, and yeah. he, like, recently ripped the skin up to his, and he, he like, had to get an emergency, he was in the ICU for, like, 10 days. Like, they had to take a, a vein out of his foot and put it in his hand, to, and then, like, reattach all the skin, and he's, his hand's been wrapped up. He was, like, in the oh. hospital. That's why his hand's wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, I saw his, when Amy Schumer was on it. Yeah. I didn't. He like he like fucked his hand up real bad, and I was like, "Oh, wait, that's." Oh, I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't have gotten married. I know. <laughs> I'm thinking like this was a like, last ten years have been great and everything, but yeah. I gotta get back on the market. He like made me want to stop wearing rings. I was like, uh, I had, "That I can had, just happen." Oh, that can just happen. Okay. I had heard of a, a story. A friend of mine, uh, he and his uh, friend were like trespassing somewhere. Just I don't know, like yeah, like uh, fourteen or fifteen. And uh, so they're jumping over like a chain link uh-huh. fence, and his friend had a ring, and Oof. it caught at the top of the chain link. <sighs> so then he, so he, but he didn't know it. Yeah. And so he like drops all the way down, and it just like ripped his finger off. Yeah. Oh, because usually, <gasps> usually you lose the finger because oh, sure. it's like you, you, all of the everything that's inside is just like unattached at once, and it's such tiny. <laughs> yeah. It would, I have not Ugh, had this so visceral yeah. <laughs> in a long time. Yeah, so well, that's what happens. You have me on the podcast. I'm going to really just, really disgust you. Sorry, not have her on again. I don't feel like having nightmares. I don't want to be terrified to wear my wedding ring. Um, well, let's move on then. Yes, because yes, yes, yes. I want to ask. you, It's been a long time since I've seen Beyond the Valley, Beyond okay. the Valley of the Dolls. Why that? Why is that round out the top three for you? Because it's just it's chaos it's just like 70s rock and roll cocaine chaos in a way that like it made me rethink everything that i thought about roger ebert or i was just like (laughs) it it humanized him a lot for me because i was like oh this came out of him what the hell What, what, what was he like back in the day and it's just like it's 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 just, it's just, it's just anarchy in a movie. Like that's just, I, I love everything about it. It's just so cartoonish and weird, and like it's this girl band, and all their songs are super good. Yeah. And the main, I, I used to be MySpace friends with the main, with the villain in the movie, the guy that played um, uh, Ronnie Zayman Barzell. Um, I'm not gonna pull his real name right now. Oh, I'm not gonna well, think that's it. What we have? Yes, we have all the internet to, that yeah. can tell us that. <laughs> but oh man. So I used to be Facebook friends with him, and he was like a big '70s guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, something. His last name starts with a Z too, I think. It's like John Zimmerman or something. I'm gonna not get it. Um, John Lazar or Lazar? La- yeah, yeah, John Lazar. There's a Z in there. Yeah, John Lazar. I was Facebook friends or MySpace friends with him, and um, in his top eight, he had this guy that was um, the photographer for Three Dog Night who like I became friends with for a while and like like but he would like message me on MySpace to say hi and I'd be like hi what what's up weird yeah. old dudes I mean but they weren't like no they were never creepy I think John was always like say, oh your your blog posts are very funny he like read all my blog posts on face on MySpace which is funny I keep saying Facebook and that's not right um and 
John and, and this guy, they came down one time. Um, they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to be in LA. We're having lunch with, uh, with our friend Phil. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And, um, then like I hadn't talked to them for a while and they were like, yeah, it sucks. Cause he's going back to jail. And I was like, wait, oh. what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, you were hanging out with Phil Spector. <laughs> like I'm, I'm one degree away from Phil Spector based on my weird MySpace friend. And that's because of beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which feels like the most beyond the Valley of the Dolls person yeah. to have in my life of any kind. <laughs> but like his character, I love his character in that movie is just like weird chaos with a Shakespearean accent. Yeah. And I just, the first time I saw it was at like the very first film festival I ever went to, they were showing like a new release print of it. And it just was like, I went, I went to film school in Philadelphia and all my professors were like very, like I, I would always pitch like funny sketch ideas for all my short films. Like I wanted to do funny sketches and they would always be like, but why do you want to do that? They like, they were just the most quintessential film professors ever. And none of them got comedy. And it was just a real, I, my, in my film comedy class, my teacher was like the last great comedian that ever existed was Buster Keaton. I knew that was good. I love Buster Keaton. I love Buster Keaton too, but how dare you? You work in this industry. Go kill yourself. Jim Carrey. Yeah. In a (laughs) world, in a world, (laughs) in a world with Jim Carrey. I mean like for decades of comics, it's, it's just, like and I, I would just fight with them all the time about stuff so see and it was such a weird movie that I saw it at the right time in like my film film school career that I was just like yeah you can just make you can just make whatever the hell you want it doesn't matter yeah you can throw fake boobs on in the third act it's fine nobody cares yeah. just run around and quote the Jabberwocky who gives a shit this yeah. is gonna be great cutting off just, people's heads with sword oh, right there's somebody yeah. decapitated with a sword oh yeah it's great it's great it's a it's a it's a blast. There's I gotta see this movie. It's really fun. It's Have like you seen Valley of the Dolls. No, I haven't. <laughs> it's not a sequel. No, it's but, not. But it yeah. is surprisingly like, not. No, but it's sim- plot wise. It's informed by like the idea of yeah. getting sort of roped into like yeah. Where Valley of the Dolls is like this, uh, you know over excited like cautionary mm-hmm. tale like by someone who has no idea what the this world is actually like yeah beyond the valley of dolls is uh, i don't know uh, a sort of tongue-in-cheek take on oh yeah. yeah yeah it's just super goofy and i think it just hit me at the right time that i was just like movies can be fun and they can be goofy and we can just do this and it's fine it's fine not everything needs to mean something i was um <laughs> On the on this week's movie journal, I was talking about a documentary that just popped up on Netflix called Lost Soul, okay. and it's about the making of the 1996 uh, Island of Dr. Moreau okay. uh, with Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer, and it was just like such a troubled production, and uh, I saw it when I was a kid, and I really liked it, and I still like parts of it, and the part the, the things that I like about it are is just that it's absolutely insane. Yeah. And then when you watch this documentary, you realize... Oh, it could have been more insane. Yeah, ah, it could have been like considered like almost Lynchian yeah. in in how ridiculous it was, and it just like it bummed me out so much. Ah, uh, just just go just go for it. Like, yeah. If you're gonna be that, it's like that was the problem with snakes on a plane. It was just like if yeah. you're gonna be this, you gotta go all the way. Yeah. Like you can't don't if you're gonna be that movie, just like so many snakes and then nothing but catchphrases the entire time <laughs> and they need to be shitty snakes right because you can't like reverse engineer a cult no. you can't yeah. like mm. aim for that sort of no thing and and, and hit it that's, yeah that's what gets me about these sharknado movies is like the first yeah. one now it was a little bit self-aware mm-hmm. but they didn't know if it was going to be any bigger than you know yeah 
what is it like a mega shark versus giant octopus or whatever. Yeah. Like they didn't know if it was going to be any bigger Dino than that. Croc. Dino croc. Dino croc. All yeah. things. Aztec that Rex. Yes. I was like, what is it? What is a- it? Aztec Rex. Okay. Uh, pa- who's the guy that was looking for the fountain of youth in Florida? The conquistador. Ponce de Leon. Yes. Ponce de Leon comes across a bunch of Aztecs and they have a Tyrannosaurus Rex that um, they sacrifice a village or two every year to keep it um, safe. But then Ponce de Leon fights a T-Rex. <laughs> the T-Rex only eats once a year? Yeah. It's it's not good, but... I'll see it. No a- question about a- Aztec's re- Aztec Rex, I highly recommend. And so yeah, you, but, okay. but like yes. Sharknado, like there's a second one, there's a third one, and just... Have you heard about it, this new thing? What? That is really upsetting me? That apparently the third one was a success. They're going to make a fourth one. And the fans get to vote on whether or not Tara Reid's character is going to survive the fourth movie. That's awful to me. I feel, you terrible for, I feel terrible for Tara Reid. Yeah. If there's anything, there's very few things that make me feel terrible for Johnny Depp, <laughs> and there's very few things that make me feel terrible for Tara Reid. That's like, like you know does what? she get any say in that? Like, You know what? Like uh, The way I look at it, well, I mean, obviously I feel bad for her, but at the same time, like, hey, four movies and she had a good run. No, it's a pretty good run. Yeah, it's pretty all right. You know, I... The one time in my life I've ever felt bad for uh, Paris Hilton. Yes, uh, House of Wax. House of Wax. Because mm. I, I saw that I was dragged to go see that. That was the last time I saw her movie in theaters, and I made it about a third of the way in, and then I was like, "Fuck this!" Because it was stressing me out. And every time um, Paris Hilton would come on screen, everyone was like, "Yeah, fucking kill her!" Just oh. theaters that were wanted blood, and I was just like, "This yeah. is too much." So I went, the, but the, like they stoked yeah. that by the having billboards. I remember being in Chicago and seeing yeah. billboards that literally said, "See Paris die." Yeah, yeah. it was. I still really, can't get over that. It was really gross. It was really gross. I'm like, I, I was like, I don't like her. Don't make me feel bad for this. Right. Ugh. I have uh, sympathized with her twice. Yeah. Once that mm-hmm. and the other. So I watched The Bling Ring, which I really love. Oh, yeah. And and then I watched like the documentary behind it. And there is an attitude. Certainly it's the attitude that caused these people to break into celebrities' houses anyway which yeah. and steal their stuff, which is like, Look at all the stuff they have. Yeah. They can afford to lose it. Meanwhile, they wound up stealing like heirlooms from mm. Paris Hilton. You know, they don't know one bit of jewelry from another. Yeah. They don't know what has emotional value and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so I guess it's like, well, when you have that much jewelry, it's just like everything looks equally valuable. Yeah. But at the same time, just like stuff that literally can't be replaced and they haven't been able to track down. It's like as mm-hmm. much as I don't, as much as I don't think I would like Paris yeah. Hilton, um, you know, she still has feelings. She still yeah, cares about things. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and these people, because they don't think of her as a human being, yeah. uh, they did this thing and she's like, mm-hmm. Oh, come on. It's, it's like, you're making me sympathize with Paris Hilton. I didn't even yeah. think that was possible. I know. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to even think about her, let alone <laughs> empathize with her. Come on, man. Exactly. I was perfectly happy to have her not be in my mind at all. And yeah. now it's in a, a vaguely positive. Way. Oh, God. I only have so much empathy in this life. You're making me use it on her. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm down to like, like four empathies. Yeah, and, exactly. And I'm only 33. Like, I'm, you know, this is how people get angry as they get older. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, we should wrap up soon. Okay. But what have you seen recently that you liked? Uh, the last three movies that I saw in theaters was Magic Mike XXL. Okay. Three times. I saw it three times. I love that you have this uh, paired. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't seen... Is it officially pronounced XXL? I don't not know. Not double XL? It might be double uh, XL. Either, either one, yeah. Magic Mike 2. Because sure. I feel like, yeah. okay, the 
I don't know if it even still Back exists, in the habit. but the, the, the hip hop centric <laughs> magazine yes. was pronounced double XL, right? Or no? I'm the only one who reads uh, magazines. Uh, who are you looking at here? Maybe. Yeah. We're, we're very, look to, very look to the white. the other side of the table. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if you have any hope <laughs> okay. of getting an answer. I like so, ska music. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, did Jim Carrey ever be in that magazine? Because yeah, no. she would have bought it. No, no, no. Uh, I forget. Yeah, I, speaking of ska music, my first because my parents weren't like concert people, so I never went to concerts growing up. The first concert I ever went to mm-hmm. was in 1997 when the Specials reformed, re- uh, yeah. reunited, and toured, and I saw them at Mississippi Nights in St. Louis, Missouri. Nice, and it was awesome. It was the first concert. There's so that's a good first concert. Yeah, that's a. They're so fun live. I love yeah. the Specials so much. What's your first concert? Uh, it was real big fish with zebra head and a band called teen heroes was the opener who are no longer together but zebra head and real big fish that was my first one yeah okay yeah Let's talk about Magic was Mike. a Christian thing, so we'll move on. Oh, okay. That's all right. So. Was it Michael like DC, W. Smith? DC Talk? Uh, not far off. Uh, it was, <laughs> I believe, Jars of Clay? MXPX? Not far off. And MXPX is actually not bad. Yeah. Nice. Um, I've seen them live multiple times, oh, yeah. I should okay. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Hold I on, should I, can I keep guessing? <laughs> you'll, if you, you'll get it. No, like, you're, you're on the more obs- or close. But now I'm getting more obscure. Okay. The Starflyer 59? That's no. <laughs> I'm not going to pull it. <laughs> okay, well, here's what it was. It was a... It was a... 90 pound a, wuss. A, a, is that, is that a thing? Yeah, is that, that a real a Christian band? punk? Oh, okay. Oh, good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was a double, double bill. Five iron frenzy. No, no, no. You know who they are. Yeah, I do. I, I know who they are. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, no, it was, uh, the headliner was, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, okay. All right. And then the opening act was the newsboys. Oh, and, uh, we went as like a, as like a, a youth group and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then I believe the next concert I went to, was I think several years later, and I believe it was Social Distortion. Nice, um, <laughs> two so. very different. <laughs> oh, you know, awesome. actually, no, I'm sorry. The next one I went to was Simon and Garfunkel. Oh which, man, yeah. That- I've only gone to like eight concerts in my life, and aside from that first one, I've been like Pretty super thrilled with all of them. Like, yeah, yeah. Sufjan Stevens, well, Tom Waits. You know, it's been wow. Great. Yeah, I could sit here and see how deep I can remember Christian, Christian Punk Bands, and Bands. <laughs> Spud Gun. Anybody remember Spud Gun? No, but it sounded dirty. Yeah. No, they were a Christian punk band. Speaking of Spud Guns, so <laughs> Magic yes. Mike. Magic Mike, um, yes. The, did, uh, did you see it? What was that? Did, I, have I you seen the two? first one. I didn't oh, okay. see the first one. I honestly, I highly recommend absolutely everybody, including men, go see the second one because mm-hmm. it is, it's a delight. I've seen it with several guys who have thoroughly enjoyed it. And they like, cause it's a movie, it's a road trip movie about friendship yeah. and it's just, it's, it's such a blast. The entire well, really film is like such that a blast. First one, yeah, although it's a bit depressing. Yeah, well, the second one, the second one, like plays off of that a little bit, but it's not depressing at all. Like all of, like it's it's pure joy for two hours. It's I cannot like get over what a blast it is to watch. Like it's a it's it's so crazy because as a woman, I watched it and did not realize how few movies were actually made for me. Like I was just like, uh-huh. wow, this is like a hundred percent made like for me and it makes me feel good. And there's absolutely no judgment. And all the dancers dance with like every size, shape and color of woman in the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you know, uh, they, 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 they are dancing at like a drag club at one point and all the guys are just like really good friends with each other. And there's, there's no villain. And it's just like <laughs> them going to a stripper convention and Myrtle beach and just having one last ride. And it is a delight. The thing that, oddly enough, 
excites me the most for it is yeah. Donald Glover. Yeah. Who he's is, great is a performer that I've actually come to really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I hear he's actually not, that he's merely fine on girls, right? That's what I've heard. I haven't seen it. Two episodes okay. I think, of All girls right. at the beginning of the second mm-hmm. season. But I mean, I loved him on community yeah. and then just, and other things that I've seen him in, um, I don't think he's the best stand up. I don't think he's meant no. to be a stand up, but as a, as a comedic performer, yeah. uh, and as a guy who like, it's interesting cause when I heard he was in magic Mike, I was like, Oh yeah, I guess he is in good shape, isn't he? Yeah. Like I think of him as a, com- a comedian guy for yeah. uh, comedian first. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I guess he, I guess people probably find him attractive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no. And it's interesting cause he gets to be, very charming in this movie, which is a side of Donald Glover that you don't get to see very often. He's mm-hmm. just like, he's just like a very suave, charming, uh, male entertainer. And you're just yeah. like, wow, this is, this is like a really nice, good, like good looking Donald Glover that you don't get to see very often. And mm-hmm. he's just, he like freestyle raps for a girl. Oh, and it's like, he's, he's a delight. I, there it's, it is such a fun movie. How many more times are you going to see it? I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. I don't own it. I've not bought a DVD in probably seven years. I'm gonna own it because I'm Do gonna watch it. Do you own a Blu-ray player? Or are you literally gonna buy a Blu-ray player? <laughs> no, we have a <laughs> we have a, we have a PlayStation Four or whatever the oh, one yeah. is. Yeah, we have that. So okay. yeah, but like we, it's 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 so fun, and I can't. And it's just like all about not judging and about like asking people what makes them feel good and mm-hmm. just like just being happy with like celebrating the body that you are in, no matter what that body is. And just knowing that you have it and you're alive and you were able. And like, that's what the whole movie is about. It like, it makes you, you walk out. I've, it's like a, a high every time I've walked out of the theater. So like, and every one of my girlfriends I've seen it with, and then my guy friends I've seen it with, have just been like, that was awesome. I just love their friendship. And like, it's just, that's what life should be like is magic. Mike too. No. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that statement. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to bring things down. I'm going to get yes. heavy. That's okay. Oh, okay. Um, describing what you just described. Yes. And the idea that it's about like just, you know, mm-hmm. being happy in whatever body you have and that yeah. sort of thing, which I, I, which, you know, you said like, it's, it's a movie like for women. Yeah. That certainly is like a message that I think is important. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. but I don't like my body. I'm yeah. aware of my gut and that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, and so like, I feel like if I were to see magic mm-hmm. Mike, XXL. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, that I'd be like, Oh, look at this pro. It's like, it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever body you have. It's like, yeah, look at all those chiseled guys. <laughs> Good for them. Oh, do you think I, you feel like every woman in every movie oh, that's ever been made for men? Yeah. Do you feel okay. it? <laughs> they do, but here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Fuck me, I guess. <laughs> you know, I like, mean a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things yeah. that like, you know, yeah, my yeah. favorite, my favorite actress is Kathy Bates. I'm trying to do like good things oh, no, here. No, no. Like, it's, it's just like, it's, it's one of those things. And I've heard, that before yeah like oh well now you know how a woman feels like yeah that's unpleasant yeah yeah. i'm feeling unpleasant and you don't i know not you yeah yeah, like and you don't care yeah because (laughs) fuck me and speaking as a white christian conservative yeah straight straight male yeah fuck me yeah cisgender sorry yeah yeah (laughs) i'm trying to your privileges are too long to list (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so it's like it's like i i acknowledge the the yeah yeah i acknowledge all of that Mm -hmm. but does that mean that if if something if my own insecurities come into Mm -hmm. play um 
that I'm not allowed to have them. You know? Oh, no, 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 no. Like, and in this movie, it doesn't, I honestly, mostly every guy I've seen with, I, I, I'm not friends with a lot of bodybuilders. I'm friends with a lot of like sallow, sallow faced comedians <laughs> who live in a hoodie that, and then just yeah. one hoodie. Like it's a TP that they live in and it's a hoodie. And then they just like roll onto the sidewalk and they write their set list down on a piece of paper. They find the gutter and that's what they do. And like that's, mm-hmm. and they've all enjoyed themselves cause it's not, and it hasn't made them feel self-conscious because the, okay. the big thing is in this movie that like all of the women, they talk about how like there, there's one scene in particular where like the guys are headed up and they stop at like one of the strippers like friends houses and then the mom and all of her like cougar friends are there and they're basically mm-hmm. just having like a nice wine night. Yeah. And um it's like half of them are divorced, half of them are not. And like they're just talking about, hey, like I love my husband, but like here's this, the, there's this we haven't communicated in this way. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one, um, the one wife is talking about how like, you know, her and her husband have never had sex with the lights on. She's like, I would just like that. It makes me feel like I, am I just ugly to him? I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. And the strippers are just like, no, you're beautiful. And it doesn't matter what's on the outside. I, I see like, I see what's in you. I see mm-hmm. how much you care about him in this moment. Yeah. And it's like, they, they're just like, yeah, we work really hard at this, but like, it's about making you feel good. And whatever yeah. the thing is that makes you feel good is, is are the there, lesson of the movie. Are there strippers like this out there? I mean, Channing Tatum was a stripper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but there's was so. he that kind of stripper. Or was he like, <laughs> you know, if yeah. ever I had, yeah. you know, if I had my druthers, <laughs> once I'm in charge, we're yeah. going to be very talky. <laughs> I mean, people are going to want to hear what we have to say. I mean, I think there's much more of a gamut than is shown. Sure. And obviously like the first movie gets into like the seedy underbelly a little very bit more so. than the second one. And it's definitely more, a more romanticized yeah. version of the whole industry, obviously. But like, yeah, it, it mostly, it, I think it kind of is just like not meant to make, guys feel bad or judged anyway, but more just like giving women the opportunity to be like, Oh, we're just going to like let loose and be ridiculous. And this is about us for a minute, which, and I've been reading a lot of articles about that. And that's, I I think that's very exciting because also like, I mean, I I believe it's a male director and it's like, it's spearheaded by Mm -hmm. men, but it's not, it's for whoever wants to Mm -hmm. see it, obviously. And whoever wants to enjoy it. Yeah. But it's like sending a very specific message. Like, in a way that you would never expect. No, you know, no, you, you wouldn't w- expect the sequel to Magic <laughs> not Mike at all. that is not directed by Soderbergh. <laughs> no, to be this but really. Shot by him. Is it shot by him? Yeah, he's, he, he's the DP. He shot it. He edited Man, he's it. A weird guy. His um his AD from all of his films. He directed it. It's his first uh, movie that he's directed. So Soderbergh is like very much involved in this film. Fascinating. He like loved it. And you don't, <laughs> and you don't immediately th- think that an AD is going to make for a great director. No, you know? he does a great um, job though. But that's the thing. And so like, mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to like bring my own insecurity oh, yeah, yeah, into yeah. it, but it's more just th- this thought of like, there are, mm-hmm. there are movies that I've mm-hmm. heard are very good, Yeah, but I know, you know, the real, like, yeah, horror movies and movies yeah. that are remarkably tense. The movies that get me are the ones that remind me how much of a piece of shit I am. Yeah, and uh, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, recognize, I recognize that they're not saying it to me. I'm <laughs> saying it to myself. But uh, but yeah, and so like that's one where as I go through my as I go through like the movies that are playing near me, it's like mm-hmm. okay, what am I going to see tonight? It's like that one just stares at me. I was like, I've heard it's good but all I'm going to come away with is how much I need no. to go to the gym more. No, 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 that, so. that, that won't happen. There's there. The, the key message behind the movie is basically like when life is kind of a bummer, you just gotta go get weird with a couple of your friends and just smile about it. David. Like, yeah, 
Let's do it. Let's you get guys, weird. Let's get weird. Let's guys, all go out and get weird. Do you guys want to go see Magic Mike right now? Let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. <laughs> this is a great place to end the show. Brandy, thank you for being here. Thanks for having this is me. So much fun. Yeah, this Absolutely. is a blast. You guys at home, you uh, can find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you find all of our movie reviews and our links to this podcast and all the other podcasts in the BP fleet. You can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davy Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Now, Tyler, you have another podcast. It's I called do. More Than One Lesson. What's going on over there this week? Well, uh, let's see. We are continuing our series on the best pictures, and we are talking about Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, in a mini-sode, it's only 35 minutes long, but I would also like to encourage people to go back and listen to that master episode, and also listen to my, my little personal mini-sode about Jurassic World. Which, which I still want you to post on the website. Yes, that's a good call, yes. Um, my other podcast is about TV. Uh, it's called Hey, Watch This. This week we are talking about the uh, MTV special White People. And we are talking about the return of BoJack Horseman. Mm. Oh, that's so good. That's what, that's what Tyler says. <laughs> uh, so that's us. But Brandy, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandazzle is my Twitter handle. It's awesome. also my Instagram if you want to look at my face and be a weirdo. Um, and then my podcast is called Lady to Lady. Uh, it's me and then Barbara Gray and... T- Barbara Gray and Tess Barker and we're on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network and we have like a fourth female comic on every week and we just kind of goof off and play awesome. some sleepover games and stuff. Um, and then we have, at some point, uh, our me and Susan Berg have a, pro- a pro- podcast called Morning Becomes Eclectic and that will be out at some point soon. But then I also have a show that I uh, take on the road um, out of Los Angeles called Picture This and it's comedians paired up with animators and uh, they live animate your jokes behind you during your set. Wow. We're actually doing, I don't, when is this coming out? This will be up uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. Okay, so you will have missed it, but uh, f- tomorrow night, which is Friday, so time travel to whatever time that means for you listeners. Um, like Ned Stark. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> get that Wait, Hawaiian shirt out. There it okay, is. That was on mic, right? Or was that off mic? Uh, oh, shit. That might have been off mic, actually, the Ned Stark conversation. Yeah, well, you guys will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you won't. It's fine. But we're doing we're doing a BoJack Horseman one tomorrow night with oh, like all okay. of the comedians from the show and, and, and a lot of the animators. Wow. That's going to be... And we, we're doing a Cartoon Network one in October. And I'll be in, um, I'll be in New York at the end of this month doing an animation block party one uh, as part of the animation block party festival, which should be super fun. Out of curiosity, um, you know, uh, animation seems to be playing a big part in your career right now. Yeah. Is that a thing that you like have a passion for? Like, I, just, I know that we're past the interview portion, but oh, it's this, fine. this is it's interesting fine. to me. Yeah, I just, I really, I've always loved cartoons. I did not want to start watching live action stuff. I mm. just, I was like, that means you're an adult. I only watch cartoons and I like white knuckled cartoons for a real long time as a kid and, um, still love them. And just, I, I, I drew a lot when I was a kid too. And I just always, I, a lot of my jokes in stand up, the, the way that I extrapolate them is usually past the point of reality to kind of a weird cartoonish place is like yeah. where I kind of take stuff. So it's definitely influenced me a lot. Seems kind of appropriate because, because your <laughs> one of your favorite live action films featured human cartoon Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, just like that. That seemed to be like a fun, an, an easy transition from one into the other. He really has helped me in a numerous way, in a number of ways in this life. <laughs> All right. Well, Brandy, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This guys. was a blast. I had a lot yeah. of fun. Thanks thank everyone you. for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.